get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. Yeah, David was just saying before we came down, I think we're past the hard part. It feels like forever. It's not easy uh, mentally, but I think once the games get going, we'll be a, uh, a little bit better. Minds will be uh, really dialed in here. We've had a lot of downtime in this qualifying uh, this time here. They gave us probably a little bit too much time to sit around. So I think we're excited to finally get this going and get on schedule. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. The Blues are back. They are on 101 ESPN tonight, starting at 8.30. We've got a pregame with one Alex Ferrario. Chris Kerber is going to be joining us coming up here in just about 30 minutes. He will be on the call tonight starting at 930. All of that right here on 101 ESPN. And that is where I want to begin with you today, Jamie Rivers. It's time to wash away the stink (laughs) that came out of those round robin games and start to see the team that we all expected going into the playoffs. The third period woes, they got to be done. The shots, the issues that we've seen with producing offense, it's got to be over. The defense allowing this many shots, the second most shots allowed in the round robin, it's got to be done. The penalties, five and a half per game in the round, Robin, got to be done. Jamie, I'm looking at some of the underlying numbers. It's not just the overall metrics. It's not just the wins and loss record. It's everything. The Blues looked like one of the three worst teams in the out of the 24 that were playing in the round, Robin. That has to be put to the side now. And now we need to see the St. Louis Blues, the Stanley Cup champion Blues. That needs to be the team that returns tonight if they're going to be able to go on another run like we saw a year ago. BK, we live in the show me state, right? And the St. Louis Blues throughout this round, Robin, have talked about, well, we're not really putting that much into these games as far as how important they are. We're going to find our game. We want to get to that playoff level. It is time to show me. It never been more relevant than right now. The Blues tonight have the opportunity to come out and show every one of us and everybody else who's been watching, because let's be honest, the hockey world with this bubble life is watching every team and they're evaluating every team and they have their own opinion of every team. And right now, the opinion of the Blues is, well, they had a great year last year. And that's kind of where people are at. Not a lot of believers at this point beyond the first round. A lot of people think they can beat the Vancouver 
Denver Canucks. But after that, they're like, yeah, you know, after that, it's good. They, they did a good job. Not good enough for me. Not good enough for this team. The leadership group in this team has to be hungry. I want to see some intensity right from the puck drop. I, I want to look at the game tonight and say to myself, wow, that's a different team. And I don't want to wait till the third period. I want it to be like well, three shifts in. But please not wait till the third period. <laughs> but three shifts in or four shifts in where we get a full rotation of the bench. I want to be like, yep, that's night and day. That's not the same team. Let's go, boys. Watching this team throughout the regular season and sitting back and kind of going through notes last night. You look at how they got to this point. And if you go back through the season every month, they had a little bit of a, well, they just don't look right. Like, you go back to October, they had four games where they're, like, losing in overtime. You Everybody go, thought the Stanley Cup hangover was, was coming, there. right? Yeah. January, they had a streak where they lost five consecutive games. And I specifically remember doing post-game, people texting and saying, oh, well, this team's done for. I'm like, what, what happened from last year to this year? But the part that caught me was every time they went into one of those dry spells, they turned it around with a six-game win streak, an eight-game win streak, a nine-game win streak, an eight-game win streak. I'm not saying that's just what's going to happen and they're just going to flip the switch. No, Alex, that's what's going to happen. Well, it needs to happen. <laughs> but this team has proven that they can do it. And the cliche phrase, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And for the Blues, regardless if they looked like dog manure that was in the hotel room last night for your ribs good yeah. catch the yeah loaf. that was really really the loaf i should with the loaf regardless if they looked like that in round robin play this is what matters and they know that it's actually a really good point alex and i don't say this very often I but it is any of them wow you got a couple and this was certainly <laughs> one of them what the hell for as much as we talk about the blues don't turn on and off the light switch right they don't flip that switch very often they actually do if you look over the course of the regular season, they were as streaky as any team in all of hockey. When they were good, they were the best team in the in the NHL. When they were bad, though, they went through some stretches where they let down some stinkers. I mean, they were just like Jamie's dog the other night as he walked into the hotel room, mm, just twice. rubbing the butt on the floor as they get Not done. Good. I mean, it was it was a puppy getting right into the spot where they were trying to claim their territory. <laughs> but when they were good. They were damn good. And this is where that needs to come through. And there is one other piece to this puzzle that we haven't talked a whole lot about, Jamie. And I wonder behind closed doors if there's any discussion of this being a motivating factor as well. It's kind of the last hurrah for some of these guys. Alex Steen very well could be his last hurrah here in a Blues uniform. Jake Allen, I think we're all anticipating this is going to be his last hurrah. Could be the case for Bozak. Could be the case for Schwartz. We'll see what happens this offseason with them. I wonder if there are conversations in that room. Alex Petrangelo, we don't know what's going to happen with the captain. I wonder if there are conversations over the last 24, 48 hours where somebody gets it up in front of the room. Maybe this was the the players meeting, right? Maybe this was something that was discussed within that meeting. Hey, it's on us now. We're all we've got in this room. And this might be the last time that we take the ice together. Let's make it a special one. Let's follow up what we did a year ago and let's do that again. We don't know if we're going to have the opportunity to suit up together again next year. How many of the people in this room will be back in this room a year from now? That's what's on the line for them as they go into this postseason run. And now it gets real. Before there were no stakes. There were no stakes in the round robin. 
The stakes have risen to the nth degree now with what we're about to see against the Canucks. Yeah, look, those discussions do happen, BK. It's funny you bring them up because there's many a teams I've been on where you look around the room and you're like, this is it, guys. Like, this team here will not be the same next year. Even the Blues this year, look at they win it last year. The team's not the same. Pat Maroon got traded. Joel Edmondson got traded. Or Pat Maroon left unsigned, rather. So, yeah, these discussions do happen. And a lot of times you look around the room and you say, boys, we did it last year. We have just as good a chance to do it again this year. Let's all go out on top here. Let's force this team to make some really tough decisions in the offseason. And is this the way we want this group who's been so tight knit for the last couple of years? Last year in particular. Is this the way we want it to play out for us? No, absolutely not. I do think the St. Louis Blues have the leadership group, especially now they know what it takes it's not like they're going to the first round going wow you know we think we know what playoff hockey is you know we went really far one year before when two rounds in yeah no no this group knows what it takes to get to the final and to win it so now they can go okay listen you i saw you last last summer or last spring i know what you can do don't give me that half you know what okay i know what you can do let's go so craig berube i guarantee you He's going to have the very same discussions. He doesn't mince words. So whoever plays tonight knows what's expected of the coach and their teammates. Let's hear from Craig Berube. He talked last night on a Zoom call with the media. Here's what he had to say about the Blues being ready to go despite what we saw in this round robin. Well, I'm hoping. Like, I think our level should be high. You know, I think our guys understand that. You know, this is what it's all about here now. And um, but at the same time, you know, there's things like that I saw in a, in a round robin that I was not happy with. So, um, you know, our execution's got to be a lot better. Um, and you know, you, you can't just turn that on whenever you feel like it. So, you know, there could be some things that we're still have to work out here uh, going forward. But you know, I think our guys understand how to how to play in the playoffs, how you have to, what you have to do to win. Jamie everything that I've read every single breakdown every single preview that I have seen looking at what is going to take place in Blues versus Canucks asks a very simple question which Blues team's going to show up because if it's the one that we saw in the regular season the Blues should make pretty quick work of this series they're the better team if it's the team that we saw in the round robin though the Blues could be going home very quickly and so it is as simple as that and where it gets hard is knowing which one it's going to be because there's every reason to believe either side of it. If you believe in this team, the, the culture that Craig Berube has implemented within that, that locker room, you should believe that they're going to be able to turn that switch on. But it's been very difficult to see signs of that based on what we saw in the round robin. So we have four games of evidence since they've come back. There's been real, really no sign of that Blues team being there, the life being back into this group. But I still, for whatever reason, I don't know what it is. I have this belief that it is going to turn on tonight and that we will see that team back on the ice tonight. And I don't really know where it's coming from. Maybe it is just a belief in that culture. And that's all I've got right now is a belief that that's going to be able to come back. So here's one thing I can guarantee you starting tonight is Craig Berube. He was pretty nice to the guys throughout this round, Robin. You saw guys continue to play big minutes in their role, even though they weren't performing or even though they looked a little sluggish. Tonight, starting tonight, I can guarantee you this. Craig Berube sees a trend that's not what he likes. You're not playing. 
I guarantee you, Craig Berube doesn't care. He's not worried about feelings. Guess what, guys? We won our cup last year. Everybody was all happy and, and giddy. We're trying to repeat this year. We can't have passengers. So if one player takes three, four shifts off, guess what? He's going to be sitting on the bench. And that's where you'll see a Mackenzie McKecker and a Troy Brower or somebody elevated, Oscar Sundquist, elevated to a higher role. Why? Because Craig Berube's going to go with the guys who give him the best chance to win. Playtime's over, boys. It's time to buckle up. It's 1110, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We'll dive deeper into this with Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues, coming up at 1130. You will hear Blues versus Canucks game number one tonight. Pre-game with Alex Ferrario at 830. Puck drop with Chris Kerber and Joey Vitale coming up at 930. Coming up next, we're seeing some hockey tonight. Will we see some college football in the fall? Sounds like from at least three conferences, we may. Are you buying what the Big Ten's trying to sell you, though, with why they're not going to? We'll talk about that coming up on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. So the hockey's going to be on tonight, but hopefully this fall we'll be able to watch some college football. That won't be the case for Big Ten fans, unfortunately. All done. Or Pac-12 fans, unfortunately. All done. What's the explanation, though? Why aren't they going to be playing this fall? Well, it kind of depends on who you listen to. The Big Ten will tell you it's all about the health and safety. That's why they're not playing until at the earliest the spring. Taylor Twelman, a St. Louis native, he's going to be a part of the introduction for the new MLS team tomorrow, which you'll hear right here on 101 ESPN. We'll have it live for you at 11 o'clock tomorrow. The announcement for the name He was on ESPN yesterday. He had a little bit of a different explanation as to why college football isn't playing this fall. Money and power. It's extremely impactful. And no matter what anyone looks in this camera and tries to tell me that the NCAA, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 are not playing football because of COVID-19, uh-uh. Because if it was about science and if it was about COVID-19, then everyone would be in the same boat. But because everyone's all over the place, that tells you right now it's about power and they don't want to give it to the players. Secondly, and this is most importantly, I don't care what the industry is. Leadership is disappointing across the board, both on and off the field. Explain to me this. Billions of dollars are going to the NCAA. This is the most trying time in my lifetime for that organization. And where are they? Where's President Mark Emmert? He's deflecting to every other conference. That makes no sense to me. We are watching a lack of leadership all over the place, but certainly in college football. And I really wanted to get at what he said at the beginning there. This is not about the health and safety. This is about the money and the power. And Jamie, here's one thing that really stuck out to me. And we talked about this briefly yesterday after Dennis Dodd's comments from, I believe it was on the fast lane. He talked about how these players are still going to be practicing. It's just the the only difference is going to be they're not playing the games on the Saturdays. That's what's taking place in the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Well, then why aren't you just playing the games on Saturday? Like you're taking all of the risk without any of the reward from that risk. I saw a study that was put out by Miami and Virginia Tech, Jamie, and they said that if you look at their practices 
and you go down all of the different position players outside of the offensive and the defensive linemen based on what they do at practice. There's a total of two minutes of close encounters over the course of that entire practice. So the point of that study was basically, hey, we're being as safe as we possibly can out here. Most of our guys aren't having much of the transmission of the Unfortunately, they didn't tell us how often the the offensive and the defensive linemen are coming <laughs> in close contact with one another in that study. There is no way to do this 100% safely, just like there's no way to play football 100% safely. There's going to be side effects that come from playing their sport. I'm not buying what the Big Ten is selling. This is I'm sure there is a piece of it that is about the health and the safety. It is also maybe as much, if not more so, about the power and the money and the dynamics that are at play at play, play right now with the college players trying to get a little bit of a bigger stake in all of that. So I got a little bit of a tinfoil Ferrario uh, thought about this. Here we go. And uh, the way I look at it is that college football, yes, it's about the money, this, that, the other, and they're talking about how great or how how great the virus is and the fact that they can't control it and whatnot. I think this is all about legal issues, guys. It's all about legal issues. The liability that would lay out in front of the NCAA by putting amateur, air quotes, amateur athletes at risk for their financial gain, no matter what waiver they have these players sign the assumption of risk, well, you know they have to do it or they'll get their scholarships lifted. So for me, it's a liability issue. And then after that, if you want to change the liability issue, if you want that to go away, it means you have to deem them as paid employees. And that's the power. So the and then if you it does fall under that umbrella is if these players then are declared to be not just amateurs, that's a whole other can of worms that the NCAA is going to have to open. So for me, the decision's easy. If I'm the NCAA, I'm sugarcoating it. Okay, yes, COVID, the health reasons, but behind closed doors, we don't need the liability, and we can't turn these guys into pros. So here's my question, though. If that were the case, Jamie, because I, I kind of went there at first as well. If that were the case, then how is the ACC, the Pac-12, or excuse me, the, the Big 12, and the SEC going to be able to play? I don't know. I, I, That's where I'm confused. But here's what it is. I'm not There's convinced. Mixed messages. There is mixed messages, but I'm not convinced that those conferences will play. I think what they're doing is they're taking their time on the announcement, hoping that things will come around. I don't mean the virus disappears. What I'm talking about is that some of these states will allow a certain percentage into the building, and then it makes it worthwhile, almost, for the university. I'm not talking health and safety here. Some of these other uh, conferences, I think they've been a little quick to announce that, oh, we're not doing it. Why? What's the point? Like, why not wait? Wait right to the last minute. Who cares, really? I mean, it is what it is. So I I think that ultimately those two conferences, specifically the SEC, is waiting. They're waiting as long as they possibly can before they postpone or dump the season. So I, I don't know what the reasoning would be to have certain conferences in and certain conferences out. I think the writing is on the wall, meaning liability slash amateur pro athlete but maybe there's more into it. I look at I don't I'm not in on these meetings, but uh, to me it seems pretty simple. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 618. Does the Big 10, Pac-12 and NCAA allow players to transfer to SEC, ACC and Big 12 universities without having to sit out a year because of this? Or are they are the seniors basically just screwed and they Ooh. have to hope that they're able to play this spring? 
It's an interesting question. That's a great question. Because I wonder, especially for the graduates, right? If you graduated last year, typically you could transfer in the spring slash summer to a new institution and you would be immediately eligible in the fall. If you're let's let's look at Ohio State. If you're an Ohio State graduate and this is your fifth year on campus, you're a great player. You were hoping to win a national championship this fall with Ohio State. Could you then transfer to Mizzou or Auburn, Alabama, wherever, and be immediately eligible? Is that is that something that could happen between now and September 26th, so a month and a half from now? I don't know the answer to that question, but these are the types of things that the NCAA has got to start thinking about now. They've been reactive to everything, everything from day one, and they were hoping and praying and believing that the virus would be gone by the time that they actually had to suit up for their season Spoiler alert, it wasn't gone. (laughs) And so now you're in a situation where it's time to be proactive with some of the decisions that need to be made. Okay, we have two Power Five conferences that are not playing. What does that mean for the three that are trying to? What does that mean for the players? What does that mean for scholarships? How are we going to make a spring season work if we can? Is there liability, to use your word, Jamie, about the spring season now. Can you play from January through March and then again from August through November? Is that even possible with college (laughs) athletes? I don't know how any of this works. I do know this. It's strange that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 kind of jumped the gun on this. I'm surprised that they didn't wait a little bit longer because what is the benefit of announcing now as opposed to waiting a few weeks after kids arrive on campus, finding out what the climate looks like then? Maybe you've got... 15 players and there's that test positive and there's just no way to play the season. Okay. You make the decision then. What is the point of doing so now? The timing of it was also kind of confusing to me. And I don't know. Look, we've got some texts coming in and and some great questions. I certainly, I I don't have the answers, but you know, does title nine play into any of this stuff with the NCAA sports based on the fact that maybe most of the girls sports will not be able to be played does that affect how the boys' sports are played? Because we know how those are tied together now. I don't have the answer to it. I don't. But I'm just wondering if that's under the legal issue. I wonder if that's just another little subtitle underneath that umbrella. Maybe. I think Title IX has more to do with like the fact that you have to have the same number of programs. I don't know if yeah. it affects like, I don't know if, if you one can play. play and the other yeah, can't. I, I, don't I don't know. I have no idea. I know it's a scholarship-based thing, yeah. um, but I don't know the, the rest of the details. And another interesting thing, too, that, that Texter brought up that I saw yesterday. I know you saw it for sure because you're college guy through and through, but Nebraska – talking about possibly leaving the Big Ten because they're not happy with this. And they can't. So this is something that did come up. They're not allowed. So is Jerry to just, Jones in charge of that university? Because he just does whatever he wants, right? So if you could pull up the Desmond Howard audio for me, Ferrario. Desmond Howard went on Get Up earlier today. And I do think this is an interesting thing to discuss, Jamie, because he talks about how as a Michigan alum, he's done with Nebraska. Get them all the way up out of the Big Ten at this point. <laughs> If I'm Kevin Warren right now, I'm working on the way to get their ass out of the Big Ten because they don't bring that much that they need to be the only group that's sitting out here and not only criticizing the decision, but saying that they want to leave the conference and play somewhere. They ain't, 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 ain't um, David. They ain't know the Dame, baby. They ain't got their own TV contract, okay? They can't run independent like that. 
So here's the thing that will be interesting moving forward from all of this. We all know six, seven, eight years ago, there was a massive realignment in college football. It included, obviously, Mizzou, Nebraska. Majority was the Big 12 kind of separating into different geographical locations. And I wonder if we're going to see something similar come about from this. I wonder if a place like Nebraska is frustrated with the leadership within the Big Ten. It's not quite the same marriage that they were hoping for. I wonder what it looks like if there are any SEC schools that view it that way or Pac-12 schools that are trying to break off. This is going to be the next storyline. Now, this is big picture, 10,000 foot view, maybe over the next three, five, ten years that could come from these sorts of decisions. But these decisions have long lasting implications, especially for a school like Nebraska, who very clearly is not happy about the decision that the Big Ten made yesterday. Nebraska is going to be interesting to me because if they are saying that now, listen, a lot of people just fly off the handle without knowing exactly what the heck the actual legal situation is. Heck, we fly off the handle every day and we don't even know who the players are. I don't even know who the players are sometimes. So but that being said, if I dive into it a little deeper and maybe they do know what's going on, maybe there's a loophole somewhere. Maybe there's something like these universities, especially right now, they got a lot of time on their hands. They got a lot of time on their hands. And it'll be interesting to your point to see if somehow this gets worked enough to where you do see a big split in some of the conferences and teams realigning again with different conferences that are out there. But I don't know, man, this is it's just so hard because if you're touting your your organization, the NCAA, that it's about the health and safety of the players but then you have a couple of conferences that are sitting there going, well, we're waiting. Well, what are you waiting on? Yeah. Like, ultimately, what are you really waiting on? Because even even if there's a vaccine at some point, which we know how that works, right? Like, it doesn't mean that that's foolproof anyways. So even if there's a vaccine, do you think it's going to be a miracle drug by the time January comes around? Well, and the other thing is a lot of these schools have said, and the, the Big Ten mentioned this yesterday in their statement, that they're waiting for the point of care testing, right? Where you can give it to the person and it's accurate and rapid and that you know the results right then and there. So when you go to the game on Saturday, you know of all of the players that are there who is and is not positive for COVID-19 at that specific moment in time. And they're hopeful that they'll have that by January, but we were also hopeful that we would have that by August. <laughs> yeah, so, and that's not working out. Ask the Cardinals. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Come I don't on. know how you can expect that. One more thing to get to here, Jamie, before we get with Chris Kerber here in just a moment. A journalist up in Michigan just tweeted out. She spoke to a former Michigan player who suggested a one-game season between Michigan and Ohio State on January first. Pay-per-view. Would you pay to see this? Yeah, yeah. If we if we're gonna do like one-offs, if you're telling me, let's say college football is is canceled this fall, you can pick your opponent. Mizzou versus Illinois. We're calling you out. Let's do it. I'm here. <laughs> I'm ready to go right now. That would be great, actually. If if you just do like y- you set up one game matchups and you do like six of them throughout the fall and you you test, you quarantine, it becomes a neutral site thing. You go into your bubble for a week and you practice and then you get that done and then you go on to the next one. I'm here for it. You can't do it because these kids are still (laughs) students, but I'm here for the idea. I'm here for it as long as the coaches do it WWE style (laughs) to where like Ed Orgeron is like, he's calling out, he's going, he's calling out Nick Saban. You ain't got the guts to meet me in the swamp. I feel like you would have to be the tag team partner for, uh, for Eli Drinkwitz. Oh yeah. Eli, see, I'll watch that. And all of a sudden the walk-on will come in handy then. Hey, drink. 
<laughs> Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. The Blues are back in action tonight. Should we expect them to look more like themselves? What's well, that of Chris Kerber when he joins us coming up on 101 ESPN? We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Alongside Blues, former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to be joined by the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. You'll hear him tonight. Blues versus Canucks game number one, pregame at 830, puck drop at 930. All the action right here on 101 ESPN. Curbs, we appreciate the time, man. Let's start with this. The news of the day yesterday was Barbashev not going to be back for the first few games of this series. Sammy Blay looking unlikely for the first game of the series as well. In your opinion, who becomes more important? Who becomes more critical because of those pieces of news that we heard about yesterday? Well, I think, uh, Brandon, I, I think I think uh, what we've seen from Troy Brower so far becomes really important. I know you guys have touched on that a lot over the last couple of days. Um, I, I think the role of Zach Sanford, is critically important now for the St. Louis Blues. Um, Zach Sanford's, uh, you know, frankly, his play is the one that could dictate whether or not you can keep that balance, you know, on uh, on uh, with Thomas on the third line, you know. And then Mackenzie McEachern, I, I think he's the next guy to try, and he's got a little more experience than than Jordan Cairo. I think his speed to fill in on the fourth line uh, could be helpful for the St. Louis Blues, but he's going to have to be more responsible defensively. And, um, and and we'll just have to see how it goes. So, obviously, it shifts everybody up when you're talking about a guy that was playing, you know, in, in the role that, that Sammy Boy was playing in, you know. But um, but at the same time, I think they needed more consistency out of both him and Sanford. So, uh, th- there's opportunities now for one of these other guys to say, I want to play in the playoffs and don't take me out. Curbs, the Blues offense um, certainly wasn't at its finest during the round robin, but now look, things have changed. The playoffs are now upon us. What's something in your opinion as you watch the games that, you know, the Blues could do just a little differently to maybe ignite some more offense out of the team? Well, I, I, I think they just have to get back to a five-man unit, Jamie. I, I, it, you know how hard it is for the defense to move the puck up if the forwards aren't coming down low enough to support on, on the breakouts and things like that. So I, I think we've seen, I don't think we've seen the offensive zone time we need. And I think part of that is because there's been so much separation between the, the defense and the forwards moving up the ice that the layers of support to get in there and sustain the four check aren't there. One guy's getting in, you know, but it's taken too long for the second and third guy to get in. Uh, you know, the F3, as they like to say, isn't getting high enough on, on some of those that, that they're just not getting the sustained time in the offensive zone. So I, I think it just comes down to structure and, and still and, and working harder within that structure, I believe. We're talking with Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. Kerbs, one thing that we honed in on earlier today was the penalties that the Blues had in this round, Robin. They averaged five and a half per game throughout that, up from 3.2 per game in the regular season. How does a team like the Blues try to limit those moving forward in a series where now they're going up against a super athletic team in Vancouver? Well, they've got to skate, and they've got to use their bodies. You know, we saw Sammy Blay take a penalty for slashing when the play for Sammy Blay is to lower his shoulders and go through a guy. So I, I think those are the two things. 17 penalties, and they did not take a penalty in the third period of the last game. 
So it was 17 penalties in essentially eight periods of hockey. And 10 of those were stick fouls, tripping, uh, you know, hooking things along those, slashing things along those lines. So to me, that's just not getting yourself positionally where you need to go. It's not moving your feet and it's not working hard enough to be in the right position to defend. So I, I think that's a key. Now, We've already seen, even in the games we saw yesterday, we saw a lot more let go because I don't. I mean, than even we saw in the round robin tournaments. But the other thing the Blues are going to have to do is adjust to the way the game is called. I mean, if it's going to be ticky tack like the first three games that we saw in the round robin tournament were, then you just cannot take the chance, and you got to work extra hard, you know, to do that. So that disciplines, as you guys know, is going to be really key in this series because I think the Blues' depth five on five presents some real matchup problems for the Vancouver Canucks. It's going to put a strain on their goaltending if the Blues can get some cycles down low. The one equalizer could be giving this young Vancouver team time on the power play as they were only one-tenth of a percentage point behind the Blues in the regular season. I mean, Vancouver had the fourth-best power play in the National Hockey League through 71 games. So uh, I think if they can limit the amount of opportunities they give Vancouver on the power play, uh, it could really be a big swing in this series. Yeah, Curbs, so I want to stick with the power play here because the Blues had the third best power play in the NHL right before the pause happened. And since they've come back, it doesn't look to me like they've found their groove just yet, which, look, I get it. They've been away from each other for a while. It takes a lot of reps to get there. But Vladdy Tarasenko has been on the second unit throughout this round, Robin. How quickly do you think Craig Berube, if not already, makes a little bit of a switch to change that look and maybe ignite this power play? Well, that's a great question, Jamie, because I don't know. Well, like, to, to be honest with you, you had the you you had the, the one of the top power plays in the league without Vladimir Tarasenko on it. Okay, so again, it's going to come down to just moving the puck quicker and shooting the puck. I like him on that second unit. I like him where he is on that second unit. And and the reason that I, I like him there is I actually think it's going to create some time and some and some competition between these two units. I like Tarasenko and Pareko on the same power play unit. Now, for, for me, though, Jamie, I like Tarasenko on the other side. I like him on the right side. That way, you know, they're passing it back and forth to each other's forehands, which, which could allow them to get shots off quicker. I, I mean, Tarasenko passing across his body to get the puck across the body of Tarasenko on the left side is a bit of a head-scratcher to me, and they haven't figured that one out. But I, I love – I like those two on the same unit, but we'll have to wait and see. I, could, could it be sooner? We're, we'll talk to Craig Berube about 2 o'clock today and get his thoughts a little bit more on that, which I realize doesn't help us very much for this show. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but – but I, I think you got to give that other unit just a little bit of time to figure it out because they were so good in the regular season. Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues, joining us on 101 ESPN. So, Kerbs, if it's not moving Vladdy to the top power play unit, do you think there's anything in particular that can be done by Barubi, whether it be a tinker? That, we saw this so much last year in the postseason where it'd be small moves here and there that just seem to unlock something within the Blues game. Is there anything, in your opinion, that could be done to ignite an offense that's that's been sleeping, basically, for the first round robin that we've seen thus far? Yeah, you know what, I... Maybe this is too, you know, psychoanalytical, you know, hullabaloo for lack of a better way of putting it. But I just think they've got to pick up their intensity. Uh, really, they, they've got the skill, they've got the knowledge, they know the system, they know what they can do. These lines have been successful. You know, the, the difference is is you're going up against some pretty revved up opponents, some of whom might not have been in the playoffs, and there was still a chance Vancouver could have missed the playoffs this year. You know, so. 
uh, a lot of these other teams are playing like they just got a second lease on life, and, and, and it matters. So I, I really do think that before before you go to do too much twisting and tinkering, you know, while there might be one guy on one line or something you could do, you know, and I and I think they'll definitely look at Robert Thomas moving up in the lineup if things start slow today. But uh, but I, I really do think it's all in all just overall intensity level. Every single person on this team has to pick up. All right, Curbs, I'm going to focus a little bit on the matchup uh, tonight and actually for this entire series is how imperative – is it for the Blues to stick to their game? And what I mean by that, and I know it's a broad statement, but as we look to tinker, as we've talked about, or ignite the offense, I think the Blues have to be very, very careful to not get into a wide-open game with this young Vancouver Canucks team that has a lot of firepower and a lot of speed. So in your opinion, what is the main thing or one of the main things the Blues can do to stay within their game and not get into a track meet with these guys? Well, uh, Jimmy, I think kind of like what what we were just talking about. I think they have to. Uh, I think each each individual person, and when we talked to Jake Allen about this, each individual person is going to have to um, is, is going to have to do their job. And, and when each individual person focuses on the job that they are supposed to do in a given situation, that that lends to the predictability you know, that they can rely on. And that predictability gives you more confidence to just stay in your lane and do what you need to do. So I I think if each individual guy, you know, picks up uh, a a little more personal responsibility on the overall quality of play, you'll see that permeate throughout the lineup, you know, and then, and and then, you know, the other big thing to me, Jamie, is like, they're going to have to figure out that fourth line. Uh, They're going to have to figure out who, who plays the barbershop role. There has been something about the makeup of this team that whether it's Barbashev or Sunquist, when one of those guys is out of the lineup, this team seems discombobulated, and it's a, it's kind of crazy when you think about That's it. That's right? kind of weird, isn't it, Curves? You know, considering all the skill, but but there's so much, but there's so much evidence of it, which you know, so uh, so I, I, that's that, that's the other part is is someone's going to have to pick up some of that that physical battle that uh, that Ivan Barbashev brought. Last question as we're talking with the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, here on 101 ESPN. Kerbs, what's going to be something in particular that you're going to be watching for early in this game tonight that will tell, will indicate to you that the Blues are back to playing their game again? Is there is there something in particular that our listeners should be looking for? Yeah, to me, it's how much how much puck control does this team sustain below the goal line? When they get it into the corners, do they work it out of the corner? Do they not just waste a shot? Craig Ruby doesn't want these guys wasting shots. But sustaining that time in the offensive zone is going to be critical. Look, their best defenseman is a young Quinn Hughes. He's five foot ten. All right. He's he's slimy. He's slippery. But but you can you can home hit, get him pinned into his zone. If the Blues can get the Canucks pinned into the zone, Tyler Myers will take some penalties on you. You know, a, a young guy like like Elias Pettersson doesn't want to play defense in his own zone you know, as much as he wants to go the other direction for it. So to me, the one thing that you know they're on their game is that they get that puck below the goal line and they really start to work it and hem Vancouver in their own end. And then lastly, guys, don't let Don, don't, don't let Antoine Roussel get, get under your skin. He's going to be a pest. He's going to try and force you to take some penalties. Don't let him force you into it. He's Chris Kerber. You'll hear him tonight on the call. Blues versus Canucks, game number one. It is finally here. Pre-game starts at 8.30 with Alex Ferrario. Puck drop at 9.30 with Curbs and Joey. Curbs, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. Good luck with the call tonight. 
Have an awesome show, fellas. Talk to you tonight. You got it. That's Chris Kerber joining us here on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. We will get to some questions and answers next. Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Let's start with this, Jamie Rivers. I was on Twitter earlier today. Adrian Wojnarowski. Oh. NBA reporter. Woj is back. God bless you. Tweeted this out. Here's who isn't eligible to come into the bubble as a guest. By the way, the NBA is soon going to be allowed to have some guests that are available from the players. Well, it's interesting you say that. Quote, any individual the player has not previously met in person Mm. or with whom the player has had limited in-person interactions, for example, known by the player only through social media or an intermediary. What do you think they're referencing here? Oh, I don't know. Getting online and finding like an Insta date or something like that. One of those things or swipe left, swipe right. I... It's what Stephen A. Smith calls booty bubble. Yeah, the <laughs> booty bubble. But here's OK. So here's here's my reply to that. Prove it. Prove it, NBA. Prove that we don't know each other. Prove that we are not talking. You're not allowed access to my phone records. Prove it. That's the thing is it's so it's just there's no way I will say this for some players. This is some great lengths to get into the booby booty bubble (laughs) 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 either or either or is fine. Take two. It is great lengths because apparently these people have to be quarantined for seven days prior to even being able to come around the players. Okay, what do we say all the time? If it's, is it better than zero? Yes. Yes. Okay, so if you gotta wait seven days, is it better than nothing? Yes. (laughs) But for, I mean, for these these other, the the people that are coming into the bubble, Are you really waiting seven days? Like you're just chilling in quarantine for seven days and then like flying back out to L.A.? Love will make you do strange things. Oh, is that what it is? Love and booty. Love will do that to you. Never know. The next Mr. and Mrs. Kylie could be waiting to happen in the bubble. (laughs) I can assure you that ain't happening. Dude, looking more into these wedding Would you not have waited seven days for Kara? I waited seven and a half years. Exactly. (laughs) Great answer. Great no, we got to we got to talk about this for a second. All right. I'm about to be broke. Like super broke. Oh, the wedding. <laughs> Guys, I was completely unprepared. We warned you. We both warned you in our group chat. Yep. Good luck. And on the air. We told you. We did. This is a very 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 expensive thing that you're getting into. I had no idea. It's listen, it's it's going to be the best day of your life, and there's you can't. I'm going into my, oh, sorry. my spiel here. Sorry, you sorry. can't put a price tag on what you're about oh, but to they do. do. They do. However, the people that are organizing it for you and putting it on, they can put a price tag <laughs> on it. I'll for tell you. you this, BK. It'll be the best 24 hours of your life, but that 25th hour, the next morning, you'll be like. 
What the hell did I just do? No, we're going to have to go straight to the honeymoon after. Oh, so that way I don't think about it. throw the more cash into it. Yeah, you're doubling down. I like it. Chase that bet. Come back from the honeymoon and just buy a house immediately. <laughs> yeah. oh, no, that's happening beforehand, apparently. Get Oof. pregnant on the honeymoon. Have a kid on the... You are going yeah, to just no. double and triple down, baby. No. I hope you get more more uh, promotions in the pandemic like everyone else. Going to yeah. need to, right? Gonna need to. Maybe get another dog. Hey, if you've got some sponsors that would like to be involved with our show, we are ready for you. And by we, he means all three of us. And we really, really, really enjoy doing lives on the air for you. <laughs> hey, FanDuel. I hear the FanDuel fantasy app. <laughs> Insert read right here. Anyone at all. Live is fine. We'll, we'll 65780 is the air comfort service text line from the 660. Have it on a Sunday or a Friday. It's cheaper. Yeah, guys, there are some fights I'm not willing to have, as I have learned from these two wonderful gentlemen to my right. Uh, that is one of those that I will uh, I will not be fighting. You and know what, though? The Friday one was always intriguing to me. Like, not, we almost did one on like, a Friday. Uh, there was no chance of that happening with my wedding for a lot of reasons. We had a lot of out-of-towners That's coming and things like that. My family's all, none of them are yeah. here. That's yeah, why we stopped. Kansas City, right? In Colorado, oh, okay, California, right. yeah, and That's Texas. why we called it off, too. But, I mean, we th- originally, when you looked at the prices compared to Friday and Saturday, we're like, why aren't we doing this on a Friday? Mm-hmm. But then once you realize that half of your wedding party or your wedding reception can't be there it's not See, really worth it i look it. at it the other way right some people that's that for you guys that's the glass is half empty for me that's half full it You're means right. that's more people, people i don't have to pay yeah, for that's true that's true well that's the tough part is i didn't realize how much it is for each plate oh. like i was like oh you're paying like 30 bucks per person that's that's a lot of money uh-huh uh-uh. Just wait till you. This Man, is the one. A lot more than $30 per plate. And this is the <laughs> one that's going to make your head blow up. Yep. Okay. And I can tell you right now, because we went through it, is you, you go through the, the whole process and people do their replies and whatnot and blah, blah, I blah. I know where you're going with this. And then you get to the reception and you never see those people. Yep. Like four or five just don't show you up. You see empty chairs. You hate that person for a They're good year. There are people. They will yep. be dead to me. There are people that are still on the list in my basement oh, yeah. where my wife goes down and she cries and looks at this board and starts crossing up names. You did not show up to my wedding. Yep. And I paid for your plate. My wife didn't do that. I did that because I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Did, at that point, do you just like start calling other friends that you didn't invite and be like, hey, I got a plate for you. You guys want to come to the no, wedding? No, wait. Go people ahead. don't, some yeah, of they them, don't tell you. Yeah, some of them will give you the heads up they like a couple days don't. before. Oh, hey, you know, whatever. They just Most of them just, they, they just kind of chicken out and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll see. See you tomorrow, big yep. guy. Can't wait. Just never show up like, I'm people, out. I was so pissed off. People do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They RSVP and then just don't come? Yep. Yes. Oh, and then they give you the excuse of, oh, well, you know, I wasn't feeling great or kid was sick. Had a flat tire. Didn't had a flat change tire. That's Forgot mine. about That's a work event. Let's be honest here. I mean, it works. You will get those excuses. Slept through my alarm. Well, they tell you. Why didn't you For just... For the 6.30 reception? They tell Maybe you. Maybe had a late night night before. BK, you can't use a flat tire. They'd say, why didn't you just get an Uber? You don't know how to change a flat tire. That's a good point. That's right? a good point. Yeah, AAA was late. AAA was late. <laughs> they, they had a two-hour window. car on the side of the highway. <laughs> two-hour um, window. One thing, two text line, always full of great information. I'm going to rhyme off two of them for you here. Uh, 618, remember the open bar is always separate from the per-person plate. Uh, trust me, I'm so, aware. It's yes. an extra 15 bucks on top of everybody. Yeah, and then from the 636, it's like $12 a plate out here in Washington, Missouri. I mean, if people are traveling anyways, PK, yeah. hey, 
you know? You make a good point. We're already starting. Uh, this Saturday, I already have a venue trip planned. Oh, we're going good. to. Oh, wait till you go. Oh, boy. Oh, what, yeah. What happened? Those are fun. Those are those are rough. Just Not wait till you get to the cake testing. That's the best part. What's wrong with the venue? <sighs> Not yours. You'll see. Just let them find out, Riff. It's fun. Well, we got one out. this weekend, two next weekend. I'm out of town the following week, and I'm sure there's going to be 12 the week after that. Yep. It's going to be great, man. Seriously. Yeah, you're going to love it. You're going to have a wonderful time. You're oh, going to be God. so happy. Just take your wallet with you. Wait, what? Yeah. You'll be just fine. Yeah, you'll be good, buddy. Have oh, fun. God. Dylan Carlson, speaking of getting ourselves in good moods, is this the time that he's able to reach the bigs? Can, can we do that now? Are we allowed to do that now, Jamie? We'll talk about it coming up on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. People were still clamoring for Dylan Carlson, but there were no outfielders that were affected at that point. Well, it's a little bit different this time around. So I still might wait a couple of days just to make sure I'm good, good and throw, you know, throw him into the mix. But I I think it's about that time. It's about that time to get him around. Because even if he's not playing every day, even if you still want to, you you don't know what these guys are. It's been five games. So even if you still want to do O'Neal, you still want to play Harrison Bader. When Lane comes back, you still want to throw him, him in there and find out at this point get him big league at bats whenever you can let him bounce around and know that you're just gonna have some ups and ups and down that was brad thompson yesterday on the fast lane talking about dylan carlson and whether or not now is the time jamie to bring this guy up to the bigs I got to say, I think it is. Now, I've been saying this for months at this point. He said this like six new. months ago, I think. I do <laughs> think <laughs> squirrel finds a nut once in a while. <laughs> I, do think, I do think something has tangibly changed this time around, though. There is reason. The, the information has changed. Austin Dean is now out sick. Lane Thomas is now out with COVID. And so when you have those two outfielders that are currently on your 40-man roster that are on the IL because of COVID, that changes the potential for opportunities that would be there for Dylan Carlson. Now, I can think all I want to that they shouldn't be going with Brad Miller at third base. Matt Carpenter should be there and they should open up an opportunity for Carlson. It's not what they wanted to do, whatever. Uh, difference of opinions. This is a different conversation. Austin Dean Lane Thomas being out, I believe, opens up an opportunity for Dylan Carlson in the outfield. Do you believe that it should open up an opportunity for Dylan Carlson, Jamie? About the the wonderful sport of baseball. As it sits right now with Dean and Thomas in the mix, that's five outfielders for the Cardinals, right? Mm -hmm. Now, you could also say you got Tommy Edmond breaking break glass in case of emergency. I know the infield's got some problems, but still. Okay. So basically now, because of COVID, you're down to three outfielders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's time. And Justin Williams is technically on the 40-man roster, so you could call him up. I've been told by Ferrario for weeks now, well, we've got to see Justin Williams and Austin Dean. Well, Austin Dean's not out there anymore, bucko. Is Justin Williams? That Williams, they might did do that. Did you just bucko me? I did. Did you just bucko me? You know what? They might do Let Williams. me clarify. Ferrario's not saying they, I want to see Justin Williams before I see Dylan Carlson. Cardinals want to see Justin Williams. Do you think God. he's going to come up before Dylan Carlson? I Gosh, do. He's you know on what? the 40-man. I just, when you said that, I thought to myself, no. oh, listen to me for a second. I thought to myself, there's nobody else. They have to call up Carlson. Then you said Williams. I go, oh, crap. Look I at, just heard that this morning, too. Look at the age of Dylan oh. Carlson. God, this is going to fire BK up. 
We had a couple of Mo Fashion class night. I was wondering. Look at the ages of these outfielders and then the age of Dylan Carlson. Look at the control of the Cardinals of Dylan Carlson compared to these guys. Before Carlson, they're going to they're, they need to, to scratch off all of these other names. Justin Williams is going to get a look before you see Dylan Carlson. Oh my gosh, I think he's right. I swear to you, I think he's right. I I didn't want it to be this way. They have an open roster spot on the forty man roster. Yeah. They have three outfielders on their big league club whenever they return. Hopefully, fingers crossed this weekend. And we still can't get Dylan Carlson. So then I, it's not about Dylan Carlson anymore. It's about the the big leaguers and them naughty. I, I don't understand. What are, what are we doing here? It's about knowing what yeah. you have on your roster before you go to the next thing. Don't we need to know about Dylan Carlson? Too? Not really. Well, everyone apparently knows already. Not really. I mean, let's be honest here. You really don't need to know about Dylan Carlson. A couple reasons why. One, you already have a, an assumption of what he can be. And two, you're, he's going to get every opportunity right. because of that assumption. It's like when you draft a first-round pick in the NHL. Uh, is it automatic that they're going to be a superstar? No, but they're projected to be a certain level. And guess what? They're going to get every opportunity yeah. once you decide it's time. So the same can be said for Dylan Carlson. And look at what look at the shot Harrison Bader has been given, the length of time he's been given to this team. The same with O'Neal. The same with what Lane Thomas is going to get. That's going to be Carlson's. It's just you got how long we had to get. I know he is. He opened this segment where he was like ribs and Ferrario got nothing. (laughs) It's Tyler O'Neill has had three years of opportunities. Not steady, though. I understand. But what if that happens with Carlson? Eventually you get to this place where it's like, oh, boy, man, we really need to find out with Fowler expiring in what? Two years this year and next year. This year, next year, three years. Okay, but I'm just saying with Fowler or yeah, with Fowler expiring with Bay being on the ropes right now, I guarantee you, listen, it's not going to be that long till Dylan Carlson gets not just a shot, but he'll be an everyday outfielder for the Cardinals. Carlson's shot will be next year opening day, and it will be that season. He'll come well, up, I think, until on the next year. You might as well continue waiting until you can get the extra year of control on him at that point, right? No, like that's I think you want to jumpstart yeah. him. So you give him the back half of this season, whatever that is. I mean, the Cardinals might, the Cardinals might end up playing 25 <laughs> games. Who knows? But the back half of this, near the end, I yeah. think he gets uh, sprinkled time in here. Yeah. And then next full year time. you look for him to be full time. Because then they'll be able to cross out one of the names of these four or five Guys. outfielders. It's August 12th. Like, right. we're getting close to the back side. Yeah, How many games already? have they they've played, played five games. They played five games. It's not like they've been playing this whole time. That's not what enough. What are you getting from them that I'm yeah. not? That's not enough time, five games, to sit there and say, well, <laughs> we're done with these three. He's had his yeah. chance. That was their shot. Lynn Thomas has played one game. Yeah. He's had his chance. God, BK looks like a sad puppy that <laughs> hasn't been adopted. I'm so disappointed. First the wedding. Yeah, I know. Now this. Oof, oh, we're not boy. bringing up the wedding again. I'm so disappointed because yesterday I was listening to BT, and I was like, God, I, I just, I disagree with this so much. And I was like, I'm sure that the guys that I work with will have my back on this and they will certainly agree with my stance that I'm taking. <laughs> so let, let's hear what Brad Thompson had to say and how you have done everything but what I thought you were going to do. I'm just saying that him coming up and being a part of this team right here, right now, that doesn't affect the offseason. It doesn't affect how you look at it. You might think, uh, like writing stuff down, and the team might say, all right, well, we could put a shiny little check mark next to him i think that he's going to be a, a left fielder for us well even if he struggles for 50 games here you still put a nice little shiny check mark and say well that was a crappy little uh, start for him but at least he got a couple nothing changes nothing changes based on what dylan carlson the does only thing that changes year. is you haven't seen williams yep can i t- 
I, I'm just saying, Justin I, look, you don't have to like me. I know. And you haven't <laughs> you given have Austin like Dean a legitimate shot. He cannot be the reason. Austin Dean and Justin Williams cannot be the reason why Dylan Carlson doesn't get okay, this is where you're, They can't be. Okay, this is where you fail to look through this thing properly. You're, I fail you're, to look at it the way that they are looking correct. at it. Correct. Because I don't, I don't necessarily know that it's properly versus wrong. Well, uh, okay. Uh, Just different. Go ahead. Just juggle my two, words. Rips? I don't even know. No, I don't need to okay. take two because I don't even know where I am right now. However, cool. all I'm saying is that you see point A to point B. You're like, Dylan Carlson, That that's where I, I'm headed, right? But the Cardinals and John Mosaic in baseball and professional sports in general look to see what they have so that they can evaluate the process properly for the next five years. So where do we project Austin Dean? Probably nowhere, right? But they got to find out. Where do we project uh, Justin Williams? Well, you know, maybe he's better than we thought. Maybe he's not as good as we thought. We have to find out. Dylan Carlson, we pretty much know where this is headed. Well, let's find out, though. Like, we know he's – we have a good feeling that he's going to be good. Uh-huh. Let's find out how good. Let's let's see what he looks like in the big leagues. Yes, maybe it is for 30 games, and that's not a large sample size, and you're not going to have this massive epiphany on him being terrible or awesome based on those 30 games. I totally understand that. But it can give you a pretty good idea. It can give you a pretty good indication one way or the other as to where he's at right now. Maybe it's not a projection moving forward, right? Maybe it doesn't mean, hey, by 2023, he's going to be our cleanup hitter batting 300 every year and hitting 20 homers and stealing 20 bags. Maybe you're not going to be able to make that kind of a projection off of it. But you can say, okay, when we get into April and we have opening day, here's what we can expect from Dylan Carlson next year, right now, where he is in his current career, and here's what we need to add to the roster because he is not yet to that place where he's going to be a 300 hitter hitting 25 homers, and we still need that guy in the middle of our lineup because they're missing him. We haven't talked a lot about the offense right now because, you know, they've only played five games. The and there's not is, a lot of offense to talk about. <laughs> there's The offense is still a problem. Let's find out if Dylan Carlson can be a part right now of that solution. If he can be, well, then maybe you don't need to make a huge move in the offseason to add that big bat. Maybe that big bat is already Dylan Carlson. If he is, that can change what you do in the offseason. If he's not, though, if he's not there, well, they need to make some serious changes on this roster right now to be able to determine who can be that big bat that you need in the middle of your lineup. Only thing I'd say to that on the tail end of this is that this is a really unique season. And the argument could be made on both sides of the fence to where exactly it's unique. What does it matter? You know, if he's good, great. If he's not, oh, well, it's a unique season. Now flip over to the other side of the fence. It's like, do we really want to subject our blue chip prospect to whatever this season is it's not normal it's not regular we have guys that are going to be in and out there's covid there's injuries do we want to have his first you know his first race out of the blocks be something that's not what he's going to see on a normal basis in the future so those both arguments are both true and i think that's the confusing part is both sides of this are valid and true but i do think the cardinals will slow play it just a bit because that is their tendency to do that in the past, and they will want to see what they have. But I do believe Dylan Carlson will be up before the end of the season, and I do believe he'll be on the opening roster next season. We'll see. I mean, I, I would also I want to see what Austin Gomber can do in the rotation. I want to see what Andrew Kisner can do behind the plate. I would like to see all of these young kids. I want to see Austin Dean. I want to see all Brad that. Miller. I, but Milsey. I want Milsey, too. Milsey. 
And wheats. We gotta get we gotta get wheats behind the plate. That's what we need. Wheaties. <laughs> Always need your wheaties. Wheaties, the thirty-five-year-old catcher that hasn't been good in a decade. We need to see that, huh? We need KZ behind the plate, baby. That's my problem. Is it's it's all of this. It's it's going with the veterans over the young players, and I've seen this before, and it reeks of what we were all so frustrated about with Mike Matheny. I hope that it doesn't go down that path. And uh, clearly, Mike Schultz has so many other guilty might pop you for saying that. He's hey, got that fire, and we saw it last year in the playoffs. He might just pop you one. Be it's careful. Just one tendency. That right now has been frustrating, and I hope, I hope that it ends up going in a different direction. And we'll see. This weekend is the first time, hopefully, fingers crossed, that we're actually going to be able to see real on-field decisions that are made. But it seemed like it was heading in a direction of Brad Miller at third, Weeders behind the plate, and let's see what we've got from Austin Dean in left field. And that, to me, was going to be very, very frustrating. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Are we sure? Let's play a game of that. We'll see if Jamie can figure it out this week. We'll do it next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. not the worst he is the worst man playing a game of are we sure here on 101 espn rivers i hope you get confused as hell in this segment <laughs> six five seven eight zero i started oh, off happened. with a negative one so he's yeah. definitely gonna oh, be done now he's reading him yeah, he's done now six five seven eight zero is their comfort service excellent from the three one four hey you guys know if the blues rally's coming down manchester has it started yet Jamie responds to the person, hang on, I'll ask Ferrario. (laughs) He then follows it up. Ferrario said to look out your front window right now. Texture, I did not say that. I am not a jerk. (laughs) The best part was after he had responded saying, hang on, I'll ask Ferrario. He actually asked Ferrario. (laughs) Hey, Ferrario, uh, where is the Blues rally right now? Do you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm on top of it. I thought the uh, I thought the parade marshal would have a GPS tracker on every parade. Well, he was in the last one. Why is he there? The first one. That's what I'm saying. On the first one. That's why Have I said been, I'd ask Ferrario. They won't ask me back. I wasn't very good. Well, well, how, is there a good and bad? Oh, yeah. There's how can the you parade? suck at parades? Well, because you got to be like a hype man, and I am not a hype man, guys. I don't get hyped. <laughs> I don't hype your people. job on no, this show. It's no, kind of, yeah. Me legitimately hyping you guys up is, is cursing at both of you before we go on the air. That's good. That's true. me being a hype man. I'm sure the Blues would be, no, they wouldn't be okay with that. No, they wouldn't be okay with that. No. I, uh, I mean, I, they did put out the video of Craig Berube in Game 7. You know what? I do roundtables for it's the Blues. It's a little Blues. different, though. You're, 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 put it on the scale right now. Put Berube on one side of the scale and put Ferrario on the other side yeah. of the scale. <laughs> it's balanced, right? <laughs> hey, are you saying I can't people motivate? people? No, I'm no, sure you can. I can't actually. But you're not crazy. I do round tables. I do pre and post games. That's about it. Speaking of motivating, Lou Holtz, one of the best at motivating. Are we sure? And Ferrario, I'm going to need some audio here from Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz. Are we sure that Lou Holtz comparing Normandy to college football is the right way to go about things? 
Let's move on with our life. When they stormed Normandy, they knew that there were going to be casualties. There's going to be risk. 2% of the people that attend, they, they go to the uh, emergency room, go for COVID-19. 2% of it is yeah. going down. But young people, Bill, they think it's like cancer. They think they're going to die. What a legend. Okay, so first of all, I hope Lou, I hope Lou Holtz wears a mask when he's out. Because Holtz, to me, he, he said earlier in that interview, I'm going crazy. I've been in my house for six months. <laughs> no, but listen, I hope he wears a mask, but because to me, that guy is a COVID machine gun just happening when he talks to somebody. Lou Holtz sounds... Can you imagine if you're within six feet the way he talks? Dude, it's 12 you're around like the Holtz. Matrix. You're like <laughs> avoiding his his droplets of saliva. Nobody needs to get that close to Lou Holtz when he talks. <laughs> he's got to have a perma it's in like, 95 on it all times. He's to have a full face shield to talk to this guy. It's like Mike Tyson just spewing spit 24-7. <laughs> Hang on, Lou, I'm going to get in my car. Talk to me through the windshield. Can you imagine if he still worked at ESPN and you're like walking down the hall? You're like, hold on, let me get my goggles. Oh my God, I go into the turtle position. Just as long as he doesn't use words that have a lot of S's in them, we're okay. Yeah, so, but I guess to fall back to the original, are we sure? Yeah, all I'm sure of is that was a really bad take, Lou Holtz. Are we sure Lou Holtz wasn't on the beaches of Normandy? Well, he might, you did he a was. negative. Oh, he, yeah, he, sorry, he sorry. Are we sure? <laughs> oh, yeah. Rims is gone. Are that we hamster sh- just pauses in its wheel, too. Are we sure Lou Holtz? Yeah, I don't know how to See, not turn that a negative. Yeah. You have See? to. Jeez. See, I don't know if he was at Normandy. If he was, hats off to him. He's looking pretty good these days. If he was on, if he was on the beaches of Normandy, then he can use the comparison. Yeah, I don't think he was. Six five seven eight zero is the air. Use COVID as a weapon if you were Lou Holtz. Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service sex line. For are we sure? I'm not sure that we're supposed to say that. <laughs> are we sure? Going to a barber the day you show signs of symptoms oh, from COVID. Ooh, this fired me up. Is a good idea. This fired me up. Looking at you, uh, certain Cardinals pitcher that apparently did that. Uh, what do you think? Having a wife who works in the salon and uh, went back to work with all of this, like to go when you know that you tested positive and not say anything. Dude, you're risking everyone's life, man. Is a haircut that worth it? Remember us during the the start of the quarantine where yeah. it was like the stay at home, stay yeah, in nobody place? Nobody cuts their hair. Well, we cut our hair, but it was like our kids or our like yeah. we did like I ended up with a mohawk from my daughter, right? Like I didn't go to a salon to get my hair cut and nor would I go with symptoms. So, Ugh. Ryan Housley, dude, what are you thinking? And then not to follow it up, like Cardinals now are stuck with a a PR nightmare. That's Mo's quote afterwards. Mo is, yeah. Oh, yeah. This guy, this guy right now, Muzalak, is just like, what else is going to freaking happen to me? He's a crisis manager right now. He, like, oh, he's not worried about the baseball, baseball yeah. side of things. There's no baseball anymore. And maybe that is the best argument. We were just talking about Dylan Carlson a little bit ago. Maybe that's the best argument for why they haven't called him up is just because Mo's like, listen, I'll get to you when I can. But right now, I've got to figure out what in the world I've got right now with like who is on my roster who's here who can play who can't not only who's that, going yeah. to the barber who's going to the barber <laughs> who's going to schnooks who's eating at a restaurant like are you kidding me right now just cut your hair at home it's easy can you imagine mo just like talking to all of his guys after he gets that call being like guys who were you around what do we need to know well we know how they do the tracing 
Hey, they who did you talk him. to in the last three hours? <laughs> no, in the last seven days. <laughs> how about how about Mo? He's not just a crisis manager for the Cardinals right now. He kind of is for the city of St. Louis, <laughs> right? Because we're always worried about, oh, the players need a bubble. We talked about this earlier. Players need a bubble to protect them from, you know, general public. Well, what about the bubble to protect people from the players? <laughs> <laughs> Can you put everyone else in the bubble? Oh, my gosh. 65780 is the air comfort service tax slide for our we sure from the 618 guys are we sure new england it's gonna be a negative one jamie stick with me here. okay so are we sure are we sure that new england isn't playing a trick in order to get trevor lawrence put on that tinfoil cap boys so is it he, makes sense so is he trying to or is are the patriots trying to god this is horrible are the patriots playing a trick on all of us to get trevor lawrence yes i've said that before Take i said risk. i think that i don't think bill belichick is doing it on purpose Did you see click for him oh, yeah, me he's did. like oh i get it <laughs> the hamster found the treat. So I don't think Bill Belichick is purposely doing it. I think Robert Kraft and them are kind of, and the players are setting it up to where failure is inevitable. And then they're going to shift gears and go after Trevor Lawrence. Yep. There's my tinfoil. I don't even think it's all that tinfoil. Like, yeah, this was all set up by Bill Belichick. And the dog. He literally, like, as he found out, the dog, as he found out, that Tom Brady was leaving, the pandemic started. Coincidence? Come on. Let's not be ridiculous here. The pandemic starts. He loses his franchise quarterback over the last 20 years. The season's going to tank. Trevor Lawrence doesn't get to put any film out there this year. Justin Fields, no more film. And suddenly Great. the Patriots have a top 10 draft pick. Okay. That's how we like it. Eight of his players decided to opt out. Suddenly, he gets an extra year of control over all of them. His defense <laughs> has been decimated with six starters gone. Okay, yeah, sure. Totally a coincidence. Totally a coincidence. Yeah, this was all set up by him, let's be honest. Final one here from the 618. Guys, are we sure Jamie knows what he's doing? Or do we think he's just winging it, actually, about 99% of the time? I think he wings it 100% of the time. Yeah. I, I was told there'd be no studying for this job. Yeah, you don't have to research, right? It's just talking. I've been told that there isn't a whole lot of preparation that happens on this show. So, uh, Oh, this is true, yeah. Which, uh, counter to that, I would uh, disagree heavily on that one. Now, does that mean I know what I'm talking about? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. But every now and then, every now and then, the blind dog finds a bone. Squirrel hey, boys. finds a nut. Yep. Chris Squirrel did what? Yeah. Okay. Finds. Oh, okay. Nut. Yep, that's what I thought I heard. Yeah. Hmm. Are not we the sure? other one. No, not. we're not. <laughs> are we, are we, are we not sure, sure Sammy Blaze playing tonight? Because I'm pretty sure he's not. What are the Blues going to do in response to that? Where does the pressure now lie? Pressure to show up tonight because Sammy Blay and Barbashev will be out of the lineup. We'll talk about that coming up on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. I think that the plan is he's coming back on the 14th, I believe. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, say that's for sure. You know, he just had a child with his wife. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. But that's the plan right now. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. So no Ivan Barbashev for the foreseeable future. 
probably no Sammy Blay for the foreseeable future as well. That was Craig Berube talking yesterday about what the plan's going to be for Ivan Barbashev. And if it holds that way, Jamie, they'll be without him for the first four games of this series. And then they would hopefully be able to get him back for game five. In your opinion, Jamie, without Barbashev, without Blay in the lineup tonight, where does the pressure shift? Who's the guy or the guys uh, in your mind that need to step up while those people, while those two in particular are out of this lineup? Your top six forwards automatically because you used to be able to take some of the pressure off those guys with great checking from the third and fourth line energy from that fourth line in particular, especially when it was Barbie, Sonny and Steiner. You're like, okay, we're starting every game. With these guys, look at the Boston Bruins. They got sick of seeing them first shift of the game. That's your fourth line. You don't have that. You don't have that. Your third line, guess what? You don't have that either. So the the, the pressure goes right onto the shoulders of Shan Schwartz, Tarasenko, Sanford, O'Reilly, and Perron. And I will say that there's probably some pressure on Robert Thomas as well because he's been the most consistent guy here throughout this round robin. And he is trending upward like almost every single time he touches the ice. But he's still young, so there's still a bit of a shield around him from some of that. But yeah, the top six forwards and the defense core, for sure, the pressure's on because they don't have those grinding guys, those body-checking guys. Look at the physicality you just removed from your lineup. Removed, I shouldn't say that. They're not able to go in your lineup. Mm -hmm. Sammy Blay is the busiest hitter on the team. Barbashev had, what, seven hits the other night? Yeah, it was against Colorado. And look at what happened to the Blues last year when they had to go without Barbashev for a game in the playoffs. They didn't win. Without Sunquist for a game, they didn't win. You want to tell me they're not a big piece of, of the puzzle? Uh, they are. They're huge. So to your question, your original question, I think the pressure falls onto the big guns now for me I think it falls on two guys that have to pick up the load and look I agree with Rivs those big guys need to step up but one name that Curbs mentioned Zach Sanford I think he's going to he's going to play an integral role for this team now wherever he ends up in the lines because he's the power forward for you he's kind of like what a Sammy Blay is for you he's a guy who goes to the net he's a guy who can be physical but he'd be more physical more often he needs to be physical a lot more often especially as a power forward but look you need guys now to go to the front of the net because you don't have anybody that can do that. And let's say, hypothetically, Robert Thomas does end up on a top six forward pairing like we're seeing. Well, then that takes away offense on that third pairing and that fourth pairing. And the way that the Blues won last season was having four lines that can go out there and cycle the puck and create offense on the four check. So whoever ends up on that third line being Troy Brower or a Zach Sanford or a Mackenzie McEachern, they have to create an identity for themselves and an identity on that line for Craig Berube. Otherwise, you're going to see two lines playing 20 plus minutes a night, and that's not going to be successful. Responsibility, too. Not just scoring-wise on the, those top six guys. Yeah. The challenge goes to Schwartz, goes to Shen, goes to Perron, goes to Tarasenko. Who's yeah. going to get to the net for us? Who's going to create that havoc? We don't have Blay. We don't have Barbashev. Those are two big pieces of it right there. So which one of you guys is going to assume that role? Sacrifice maybe some of your personal gain for team gain. And I'll say this, too. They're going to have to have somebody who's willing to step up and get in the face of the opposition and cause some havoc there as well. Because with Antoine Roussel and Joey and I talked with uh, with a Vancouver writer yesterday, and I know you guys mentioned this with Corey Hirsch as well. 
he is going to be a pest to this team. He's going to be doing the extracurriculars of of hacking Bennington or taking some shots at the at the defenseman when the whistle's been called. Just wait till you see what he does to Petro. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, you just wait. That Travis Green, an experienced NHL coach, that Roussel is going to be in Petro's face yep. every single time he turns around and he's going to be doing something stupid to him every single time. And somebody on that Blues roster yep. is going to have to step up. Especially if you don't have Bortuzzo in the lineup. Because Bortuzzo is the obvious choice. But if he's not there, you're going to have to have somebody to step up. That's not a Braden Shen taking away offense for five minutes on the ice the for you. The easiest way to cure that, too, guys, is you put a big old bullseye on Quinn Hughes. Yep. And you drive him through the boards every single time you can. And you tell Roussel, the next time you take a shot at Petro, guess what? Quinn Hughes is getting it. So it's your choice, buddy. Yeah, I've got two guys that immediately came to mind in terms of who has the most pressure now on them. It's Jaden Schwartz and it's Braden Shin. Braden Shin, without Sammy Blay and Ivan Barbashev in the lineup tonight, is your leading hitter on mm-hmm. your roster from this regular season. Blay had 155 hits this year. Barbashev had 144. Shin was third with 119. He has to bring that physicality. We didn't see it at all times in the round robin from anybody. This is not just on Shin, but the Blues weren't always as physical as you would have liked to have seen. Shin's the guy that at the beginning of the game, he might just hit hit the hell out of somebody for no reason. Just to bring that intensity to remind everybody, hey, this is time, right? Shin's got that in him. The other guy that I would say is Jaden Schwartz. Who was the leading goal scorer for the Blues last year in the postseason? It was Schwartz. Mm-hmm. 12 goals over the course of the Blues postseason run. He's not scored a goal yet in this postseason. In fact, Tim and Schwartz had like one shot on goal in the last two games of the round robin. He had 20 points last postseason. He's got to step up and be that player for them again, for them to be able to get to where they want to go. So for me, it's Schwartz and Shin that have to have to step up in this round. The top line has to be the top line once again. Here's the risk you have with Shen taking on that role is Listen, to me, he didn't look 100% in those three games. I don't mean physically like he's injured. I just think to play Braden Shen hockey, he's got a little bit more work to do to get to that endurance level. If you go out there, and I can tell you this from past experience, you go out there and you empty the tank every single shift trying to run everything that moves because what you're saying is true. But what you're saying is he's got to pick up the slack for two other guys physically. That's a lot of hitting that you have to make up for. As you hit, guess what? You wear yourself down, too. You you really, really, really expand a lot of energy trying to hit the opposition. So to me, the biggest thing is hitting when the opportunity is there. I was about to say, it's not about quantity. It's about quality for him. And that's where Braden Shen has made a huge impact in the past is not the number of hits. But if you look at last year in the playoffs, some of those games where halfway through the first period, he drills a guy. And you're like, whoa, you know, and he gets one of those per period that translate into a a good turnover. And even last year, a couple of times right into scoring opportunities. Um, But yeah, you know, look, this is going to be a tough task. Robert Bortuzzo. Yeah, he's going to be asked at some point to jump into this series. Heck, guys, I'm telling you this right now. And don't call me crazy, although you might think it. You might see Robert Bortuzzo as a forward. At some point here, you might see him patrolling if they decide to do something unique. Okay, you might see a Mackenzie McKecker and moved up to 
the third liner. And Alexander Steen moved up to the third line on the left wing. And then you've got McEachern, Sundquist, and Bortuzzo as a fourth line. And that's just to set the tone physically and to keep him activated. They did it last year with Joel Edmondson and Bortuzzo using them as forwards and both scored goals in the Stanley Cup run last year. So these guys have offensive ability, but that's not crazy at all because you want that physicality on that fourth line until Barbashev or Blake come back. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line from the 636. Guys, Schwartz's goals last season were misleading. He had two great games with hat tricks. He also had six other goals that yeah. you have to look and at. Like, yeah, without those hat tricks, they don't win the cup. So, well, and also you, know. you don't make it out of the first round if you don't have Jaden Schwartz in three of those four wins. I mean, he won three of those four games for you. <laughs> yeah, he did. They <laughs> might need that kind of a, uh, performance in this round. Yeah. Well, like they, they might need somebody. We've talked about this for the last few weeks. Who's who's got the potential to carry the Blues? Because we know Jordan Bennington can and has done that before, right? Who's the offensive player that can do that? Because Tarasenko can. We saw it last year in the postseason at times, like this texter just mentioned. Schwartz has. has. They have some guys that can do it. They're probably going to need that because as much as maybe that uh, that switch does get flipped tonight, let's say it does, they still have to have more than that because it's not going to be at 100% just yet. We'll go back through the playoffs last year. Every series, a line and a player dictated the outcome mm-hmm. of it. The Schwartz line dictated the Winnipeg series. The Thomas Maroon Bozak line dictated the Stars series. Tarasenko dictated that Shark series. And the fourth line, Sunquist and Barbashev dictated that series. So you have a line every series or a player that takes over. It's a matter of if they can live up to it. And the Blues have that in every player. I'll be anxious to to watch tonight uh david perron okay and, and here's my point with that is ryan o'reilly who we have not mentioned yet why did we not mention him what's well, pretty simple you know what you're getting right you're going to get his best effort every single time he touches the ice does he play a perfect game no but you know he cares and you know he's getting out there and giving everything david perron at a couple of different moments in that round robin he didn't look like himself he was just a half a step behind he had a couple of stick infractions we talked to chris kerber earlier today, uh, which you can hear that interview on the podcast later on on 101 ESPN. But Curbs alluded to the fact that we had stick infractions and Perron was one of those guys who, you know, unfortunately got caught for that. When David Perron is not moving his feet, he tends to use the stick like that and he gets behind guys. He takes offensive zone penalties, which really crush a team. So for me, if David Perron can get the feet going, he's got Zach Sanford, as far as we know, on the left wing who can skate. He's got Ryan O'Reilly, who is just a workhorse. That line, gentlemen, that line could cause fits for the Vancouver Canucks because they don't have a big heavy lineup in order to play those guys down low. So I'm anxious to see David Perron's endurance and his puck possession tonight. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Blues versus Canucks. Game number one tonight. Pre-game at 8.30 with Alex Ferrario. Puck drop at 9.30. All of it right here on your home for the Blues. 101 ESPN. Coming up next, let's dive into the junk drawer on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. So I've used a lot of Airbnbs over the years. Getting ready to use one in two weeks, in fact. My buddy's getting married out in Los Angeles. Oh, L.A., baby. Going out there. We're staying in an Airbnb with the groomsmen out in uh, Laguna Beach. There's another one that I would like to check out here in the not-too-distant future as well. You guys remember when we used to go to Blockbuster? 
Yes. Are you, okay, first of all, before we get on that, I really miss Blockbuster. I do too, man. As a boomer, as I'm called these days by my kids, uh, I really enjoyed walking in and being to go through the new releases and yes. look at it, and even older ones that are located in the middle. I try to surf all these things on the internet, and I can't find movies. And all of a sudden, I'm paying twenty bucks for a movie that I'd rent for two ninety nine at Blockbuster. I spend so much time, and I know I'm not alone on this. I'm sure you guys are the same way. Me and Kara will be looking for something to watch on Netflix. We spend the same amount of time looking for something as we do watching the 100%. movie that we decide and then on. You both find something you like, and you can't agree upon it. Never. And you're like, okay, fine, we'll go back to cable. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, we'll just watch The Office again. <laughs> yeah. like, so what did we really accomplish here? That's my life. Anyway. i watch something, turn it on, be like, this is dumb. I'm going to go back and watch The Office. Anyways, that- I do. I miss Blockbuster. So Blockbuster, there's one left. One more. It's up in Bend, Oregon. It's the, the original. The original Blockbuster. Oh. Jamie, I would imagine they're not doing all that great because it was reported the other night that they are now going to an Airbnb system. Wait, what? For $4 a night, you can stay at the original Blockbuster location. Okay, I don't... You're going to... I don't know if there's more information, but... Like, are we sure? Are, are we sure uh, that you can stay in a Blockbuster? So here is the setup, Jamie, if you want to check this out. There's a picture here. Oh, They have set it up where it's basically... choked myself. You did that on purpose, too, didn't you? <laughs> you basically have a living room setup inside of the store where they've kind of moved all of the videos oh, okay, to right. one side and the other, and then they've got a TV in the middle. All right. And you've got everything all set up there for you. Now, it's probably not even as good of a setup as you have in your own home, but it's the original Blockbuster. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see me spending money for that. Like, would I go and rent a movie from there? Yeah. Am I staying there for whatever and paying because of the experience? Yeah, probably not. At one time, Blockbuster had a new store opening every 17 hours. They had 9,000 stores worldwide. It was massive. That was, that was my Friday night. Like, you, you get yeah. done with school, you go pick up some pizza, you stop by a Blockbuster, and you head home for the night. Yeah, I used to love it, especially even when we go on road trips and stuff. You know, you go into Blockbuster, get a couple of day rental, take it on the road, watch it on whatever, you know, and then bring it back. That's and awesome. It was way easy. So 65780 is the Air Comfort Service sex line from the 636. Wow, BK, detective work is genius. You now know that physical movie rentals may not be doing well. I guess you're also now aware of Netflix and Hulu and YouTube TV. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. So here, I got something for you guys. And uh, yeah, it's uh, interesting. Let's just use that word, okay? What would you guys say if I told you, uh, if I said these keywords? So marijuana, okay, okay on its own. Wash rag. Bull suit. Spaghetti sauce. Bowl suit. Bowl suit. A bowl. Spaghetti sauce. And a washcloth. Not really. Sounds like a party. Okay. Well, we have a love quarrel, a problem going on here, okay? I was about to say, the spaghetti sauce sounds like a fake blood situation here. Yeah, no, but (laughs) we're getting warmer, okay? Let's try. So in, uh, if I'm pronouncing this correctly, D-Land, Florida, down in FLA, um, we had a a love quarrel, and it's a a, certainly a modern-day love quarrel. Two men who had previously dated another man were mad that um, Ah, apparently... classic love triangle. He was, uh, but they were together on this one and they were mad that he was I guess talking to somebody else and so uh, what they did they had a really great plan is that uh, they were going to go in and rob the individual 
while wearing a bull suit. This fourth man that is outside of the three-man no, love. No, the original, the cheater, we'll call oh, okay. him. Cool. The gotcha. cheater, How the main character. How do you rob in a bull suit? Well, they don't want to get noticed, right? Okay, but like, <laughs> think about that for a second. End for a little bit? Yeah, so just bear with me here. Human well played, by style. the way. Okay. Uh, bear with me. So the best idea is to wear a bull suit, break into this house, steal items, then... We're going to boil spaghetti yeah. sauce on the stove for so long, and we're going to put a washcloth right near the stove so it looks like he was cooking and an accident happened where the rag ignited next to the stove. Yeah, it didn't work out all that great, okay? What? Because some of the neighbors saw what was going on. They called 911. Well, yeah, they saw a random person in a bull suit Two breaking and entering. leaving the house in a bull suit, climbing into a Lincoln, a red Lincoln Navigator. And so the police... Because it's red. That's yeah, not noticeable it, not at all Not noticeable either. at all, right? So the police roll up on the Lincoln Navigator and, well, yeah... Right there inside is uh, the two gentlemen in a bull suit with the heads in the back, a big thing of marijuana in the front seat, and an open jar of spaghetti sauce sitting between them. Nice. Guys, what has Florida come to during this 2020 year? Brings a new meaning to caught him red-handed. <laughs> it really does. Uh, apparently, uh, yeah, apparently uh, they also had, uh, they stole the vacuum. Uh, they stole the flat screen. They stole a heater. They stole uh, some cooking utensils. Oh, and yeah, they also had decided to take the uh, window AC unit just in oh, case they got okay, hot. Okay, for good measure. Yeah, so stay hot, guys. Or cool. Either or. Well done. I mean, who hasn't really thought about grabbing a bowl suit and robbing somebody uh, in me? their red navigator? With spaghetti sauce in a wash rag. As the getaway plan. And apparently high as a kite. You gotta like, you gotta like, get that your, last part makes sense. I guess. G- given all of the other details, getting high as a kite actually makes actually a lot of sense. I'm actually kind of happy that that was part of it because had there not been that or alcohol, I feel like I would have been like a little more concerned. The, the rest would have been a little more worrisome if it wasn't done under the influence of something. Correct. So I've got one more story that I would like to get to. Here in the junk drawer as Jamie's <laughs> losing his mind over here. Um, so down in Australia, uh, they're finding that people during the pandemic have changed their habits in terms of buying habits. They are, uh, well, let me read this from the store Cherry Banana. Since COVID, we have noticed a considerable increase in sales of our sex dolls. We've doubled our cherry dolls since March. And now we sell four or five a week or 20 to 25 per month. It's not just the quantity of these dolls that they have been selling that has uh, has changed for them. Mm -hmm. They are also getting some strange requests. Oh, yes. Here come the uh, yes. The unique uh, tastes, we'll call it. They have received requests for dolls without any genitalia, a doll with a tail, a doll with three breasts. They have also received requests for custom-made heads. They have also received requests from a husband buying for a female or his wife. Uh, they have also had a husband and wife buying dolls together, one for each other, and also a general increase of women buying male dolls for themselves. You know what? I'm a little upset. They told me they wouldn't disclose my orders. <laughs> <laughs> He's Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon <laughs> Kylie. Danny Mack, voice or Cardinals broadcaster and host of Scoops with Danny Mack, is going to join us next. There is no transition otherwise. <laughs> We're back to.
to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kiley. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to be joined by Danny Mack, the Cardinals broadcaster and host of Scoops with Danny Mack weekdays from 10 to 11 o'clock right here on 101 ESPN. Dan, we appreciate the time, man. How you doing today? I am doing great. How about you guys? Doing all right. So, Dan, it looks like, fingers crossed, hopefully, we could see the Cardinals this weekend. Friday, Saturday, we'll see in terms of the actual timing. But it looks like the Cardinals should be back in action. I'm going to start kind of big picture with you here because yesterday we talked about the pitching situation that the Cardinals are about to run into. How concerned do you think they are about the readiness, the preparedness from their pitchers to be able to actually take up all of these innings that they're about to have to endure? I would think it's a major concern, BK, just because guys have not been in live action. So Friday night would have been three weeks to the day that Jack Flaherty would have thrown the first pitch of the, the season for the Cardinals. So I don't look at it as a traditional five coming back. I would look at it as how are we going to cover all the innings. So kind of like you may have a situation where a pitcher would start warming up a game uh, and then go out, throw that first inning, and in the first inning or second inning, you've got another guy warming up in the bullpen and getting ready to come in, and it's almost like a piggyback to try to cover those innings. So I don't know what guys have been able to do. I know they've been asked to stay in their homes for the most part. I know Adam Wainwright was you know, basically in his neighborhood throwing long toss into a net, so you know, there's been that kind of thing that they could be doing. But they'll get a couple of workouts, I would in, uh, imagine, in before they go to Chicago to play. And like you said, who knows when that would be, Friday or Saturday or Sunday, whatever the case may be. But there's got to be concern about how to try to cover all these innings coming up. All right, Danny. I listen. I'm not exactly sure of how many. Hear your voice, ribs, on the day that the Blues are in the playoffs. (laughs) I just gotta say that. Thank you. I'm excited too, buddy. Um, Me too. What I was uh, gonna dive into here with you is I've lost track of the days (laughs) of how long it's been since you know the first test, the second test, the third wave, whatever we're talking about. But I did have a question for you regarding, well, we'll call it the first wave of players. Could we be looking at getting some of those guys back now based on the math of how many days they've been out in quarantine? Could they be effectively used when the Cardinals start back up again? You know, it's a great question. And my understanding is, and if my math is correct, the answer would be yes. Now, I think some of those guys are waiting for tests. I, I could tell you this, Rivs, through the MLB protocol, they've got to have a couple of negatives come back. I bet BK has got those numbers specifically down because I know he's always great and, and really prepared on these things. And maybe, BK, you got it off the top of your head or your fingertips. But um, do you have that? They were BK? put on IL on the 4th. So <laughs> <laughs> it'll be 10 days this weekend since they've been put on IL. But those tests were from, I believe, the 29th was when okay, those tests so. were. So, yeah, I mean, uh, theoretically then, there you go. Um, You would have a shot to get them in, and that's what I've been saying. As crazy as this is, guys, is that here it is, uh, you know, Cody Whitley, who is turning into a high-leverage reliever. Uh, Yadier Molina, who kind of guides your pitching staff and a future Hall of Famer in my mind. Your cleanup hitter and all-star shortstop in Paul DeYoung is out. 
and all of a sudden, they all of a sudden could be back in. And Ron Ravello, who is a DH one night and maybe has to play the outfield with Lane Thomas out, who is on the second wave, and um, who is another one, uh, Austin Dean, who's on the second wave, who could play the outfield, who's unavailable. Well, Ravello's in. I mean, there's just so many moving parts to this that, yes, uh, theoretically, that, those guys, if they feel well, and test out properly through the protocols, by my understanding, yes, they they basically could be back after missing the second wave of, of this and would be healthy enough to play. Now, obviously, a lot needs to happen, Ribs, and it's a great question between now and then. But, yeah, you, you could you could basically get those guys back. So that's nice, Dan. And I, I We certainly would look forward to being able to see Paul DeYoung and Yadier Molina back in the lineup. There are now outfield questions, as you kind yes. of alluded to there, with Lane Thomas and Austin Dean. They were not a part of that first wave of these tests, if we want to call it that. What do you think happens there? Because, I mean, of course I'm alluding to the elephant in the room that is oh, Dylan don't Carlson. Do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I knew you were going there. Okay, I'm I mean, ready for it. Dan, you just mentioned the possibility of Ron Hell Ravello playing in the outfield, so i got to ask the follow-up question. Sure. What do you think happens it. here? Well, I know where you're going. The elephant in the room is Dylan Carlson, and <laughs> um, let's just go there. So Ravello would be an option, you know, if he's healthy enough to come back and play. Um, and, and let's go to what the Cardinals have talked about, which was let's give Lane Thomas, let's give Tyler O'Neill this run to show what they can do. And I think it's fair to say that um, O'Neill has done a nice job. And if you didn't have the second wave, he would have become a very important piece of the lineup and maybe the cleanup hitter for the Cardinals because DeYoung was out. So he was one of the guys that I, I think had had really good at-bats for the Cardinals. couple of home runs, hit the ball hard, um, and was starting to establish himself in the lineup. I don't think you could say the same thing for Bader. Uh, there was times he was struggling. Lane Thomas had only had one start, so he had really not had a fair shake, and his return is not uh, imminent. So uh, he's kind of out, and, and Dean is out at this point. They've got to get healthy and get their, their negatives a couple of negative tests back in the time period to be out. And then the cardiac test is something they have to go through as well, which is part of the protocol to come back. So then you have Justin Williams, who is on the 40-man roster. Um, that is an option as well. And then the other one is Dylan Carlson. And the other part that they've talked about, too, is that barring um, injuries, they, you know, they said injuries, they, those guys would get a, a, a shot to make a run. Well, now we, we don't have injury. We have COVID-19. And so you do have to wonder, now it's on the table, do you bring Dylan Carlson up? And I, I do think it's a fair question at this point. Um, with also guys, I, I think the other thing that you have to look at is not only are you covering and follow me here, not only are you trying to cover innings logistically, but where is the timing going to be for guys that have not been in the satellite camp down in Springfield? So, you know, you can work out all you want and hit off a tee and do those things in your basement, but the guys that have been down in Springfield have been playing in sim games. They have been seeing the quote-unquote you know, live BP, and Dylan Carlson is one of those guys. Um, and so you, with Miles Michaelis now going on the, the extended DL or IL, there is another roster spot. Dylan Carlson would be one of those guys at the satellite camp. And so my point is, with these guys coming back, there, there's been no major activity of seeing live batting practice. So the hitters and their timing, it, that's going to be thrown off. If you bring up Carlson and some others, those guys have been able to at least be in some type of baseball 
um, playing shape, meaning that they're, they're seeing live BP, they're, they're throwing, they're, they're taking the ground balls, they're seeing the bat off the, uh, the ball off the bat, those kind of things. And I wonder if that goes into some of their thought process here, and hopefully I'm explaining that well to where, you know, there's at least some baseball activity that these guys are doing. It's not just the pitchers that are trying to get back on the mound, but, man, these hitters are going to be behind the eight ball, too. And you have to think about Dylan Carlson with Dean being down, with Lane Thomas being down, and the options being limited on those that have been in live baseball action. So you got to wonder about the, the immediate future here of, of Dylan Carlson. So it's not just the pitchers, it's the hitters, too. That's, uh, that, that is something to think about. And I should mention, by my count, guys, and I know... Uh, BK, BK, and I know you prepare two ribs, but BK, you're always prepared. And I think there's only four guys on the 40-man roster right now that are at Springfield. So it becomes a really tricky mathematical numbers equation. It's not just a lot of people have said to me, well, you know, you have these expanded rosters and you got these guys in Springfield and just bring them up. It's just not that easy because in the future you lose those guys when you take people off the 40-man. They, they can become players that are claimed by other teams, and you don't want to do that looking ahead to later this season or 2021 and so on and so forth. So it becomes really a numbers game that's kind of tough to manage. Danny, just to follow up on the Dylan Carlson topic, and I guess for me it comes down to two things. Is it more important to see what you have that's not Dylan Carlson, or is it more important to see what you have in Dylan Carlson in this unique season? I guess I guess my point being is, does John Mosaloc really need to force the square peg in the round hole to see what Dylan Carlson is? Or do you think with everything as unique as it is, it's better to get a little more of a look at what you do have as far as maybe potential assets in other guys? It's a great question, and I think you have to see where a lot of the other aspects of this season go. So what I mean is uh, how many guys will want to continue to play this year? Um, we don't know that question. So you have <clears throat> limited time in the season when you come back. Now, what I mean by that, limited weeks. Are, are all the players going to want to come back? The 15th is coming around. That's a payday. Are we going to have opt-outs? Maybe, maybe not. Um, we don't know that. Um, you're going to also have a limited amount of time to fit in a lot of games, meaning that not every player can play every game. You know what I mean, Jamie? That'd be like trying to, to play a ton of hockey games in a limited number of time, and you can't have every guy on the ice, right? You can't have them available for every game. You're going to have to sit some guys to give them rest. So that's another part of this is that you will, when you bring up Dylan Carlson, he's not here just to kind of watch. He's here to play. If he's going to be here, you play him. And so, yes, you're trying to watch Lane Thomas and Bader and uh, O'Neal, but if you're playing all these double headers, and by my count, you're going to have to play a minimum of seven, probably eight, maybe nine, Oof. to fit in all these games, you know, to get in like 50, 58 games, maybe 60, maybe to 54. Either way you look at it, you're going to have to play multiple double headers. And if you're doing that, and you're saying, well, if you're going to bring up Dylan Carlson, he's going to play. He's got to play. Well, he's going to play a lot because you have all the double headers. So that that's part of the equation, too, for me, is that even if you bring him up and he sits a little bit, he's not going to sit a lot because you have double headers. So he's going to play a lot. And I think that answers your question is that you're going to have plenty of time to see all these guys just because you have a lot of double headers coming up. I really do believe that. 
Final question. Danny Mac has a really cool opportunity tomorrow hosting the MLS Reveal. It'll be at 11 a.m. and You'll be able to hear that right here at the beginning of our show, 11 a.m. on 101 ESPN. I don't need to be taking time away from you guys. Oh, no, Dan, I think there are plenty of people that would love to see it on a typical basis as well. They're going to be revealing the no. name, colors, no, no, no. crest, and logo of the MLS team. Dan, what can people expect tomorrow as you're hosting that event? Well, I think it's an exciting day. Unfortunately, you know, we all can't be there in person, obviously, with what's going on. But um, it's it'll be Carolyn, Kendall, Betts, and, and much of the ownership group will be there. And you're going to get an explanation as to why they picked the colors and the name and the crest. And it'll be a celebration not only for the city um, and a culmination of what has been a long road to bring soccer and a major professional sport to St. Louis with everything in the fallout of the Rams, but then an explanation as to how they came to the name and um, and and trying to bring the community together. And I think that's the number one thing that they want everybody to to come away with as they explain it. You know, they they got a ton of feedback from fans. And I mean, believe me, they got probably more than they ever expected or wanted, but they were happy to get it and great explanation into the history of soccer, um, why it's important to have the name that they chose. Um, and, and I think people come away with the explanation and go, that is really cool. And, and it's, it's inclusive for everybody. And I think that's what they wanted it to be a community aspect and oriented type of an event that, that people can feel proud of to be from St. Louis and the surrounding area and have it to be something that is very, very, um, I guess the best way to put it that everybody comes away feeling good about being from St. Louis, or if you live here now, or if you want to be from here or, uh, put your feet in the ground here and say that this place is a cool place to be. So that, that's, I think, what people are going to come away from, uh, seeing this and being a part of it. Well, we're looking forward to it, Dan. Again, you'll be able to hear that tomorrow at 11 o'clock right here on 101 ESPN, the MLS team reveal name, colors, crest, and logo. Danny Mac hosting all right here on 101 ESPN tomorrow at 11 o'clock. Dan, we always appreciate the time, man. We we look forward to hopefully seeing you back on the call this weekend for the Cardinals games, and we'll hear you tomorrow morning as you're filling in a little bit with the morning show as well. DK, do me a favor. We, we just, when we go to break, to say we can't wait to watch baseball this weekend. Let, let's not hope. Let's just say, because I, be, I keep saying, I was asked on, on Friday, they said, you know, what, what do you want to see tonight in the game? And I said, I just hope we play. <laughs> and I, I was, and they, they go, no, 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 what do, you, what do you want to see? Like, you know, do Young do this? Or I go, no, no, no. Uh, whatever it was, I said, no, let's just hope we play. And they go, no, 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 no. What do you want to see? I said, no, let's just hope we play. And, of course, we didn't play. So now just say, we're going to play baseball this weekend as we go to break. Will you please? I, I can do that for you, Dan. Change, change my luck for me, will you? And I, let's go Blues tonight. Th- I like to hear that. Dan, Thank you, you enjoy your evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow, my friend. Thank you, sir. Thank you. You good, got good it. Good talking to you guys. That's Danny Mac <laughs> joining us here on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Do we have the audio for Ario? We do not. But Eli Drinkwitz has told us we have to take hope out of our vocabulary. Dan just told us we got to take hope out of our vocabulary. So we will be watching Danny Mac on the call for Cardinals games this weekend. And I can't believe that on the fast lane, our boy Anthony Stalter, who pledged with us that day with Coach Drinkwitz that he would take hope out of his vocabulary. I can't believe they let it slide. He didn't actually believe it. Hmm. He left the show, and suddenly hope came back into his vocabulary. That's why I'm going to get the walk on.
It's 118. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Blues are back in action tonight. Let's do a couple blues quick hitters coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blue superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's dive into some Blues quick hitters, shall we? Start with this one. Jamie, we did this before the last Blues game. Who's going to have the first big hit for the Blues tonight? Sammy Blay, no longer an option. Ivan Barbashev, no longer an option. So, who's going to be filling in for those guys with the first big hit of the game for the Blues tonight? I think it's a no-brainer. Honestly, I think Braden Shen comes out like launched out of a rocket. He did this a couple of times in last year's playoffs where he set the tone specifically in games where he felt that the Blues needed to set the tone and raise the intensity. So, for me... It's Braden Shen comes out like a, a rocket and takes a guy out first shift. He might, heck, he might give somebody the shoulder tap and ask him to go too. I, that'd I just be think so. that'd be awesome. That'd yeah. be the way to start it. Get a little tuckered out. Remember the last time he did that, where uh, Blues were in the skid and uh-huh. face off yep. against the Avalanche, just dropped them. Yeah, I'm gonna pick Sunquist. I think Sunquist knows that that fourth line needs a new identity without Barbashev. It needs an aggressive player. Whoever's on that line, whether it be Troy Brower, Mackenzie McEachern, hell, maybe Robert Bortuzzo. I think Sunquist is going to be a little fireball tonight coming out. So I'm going to pick Sunquist with that big first hit. Troy Brower was on with us earlier this week. And he said he knows exactly what's needed whenever he's in the lineup. He's that veteran leadership in that in that clubhouse right now, right, Jamie? Yes. Brower knows they need a spark. I think Brower's going to be the one. He gets his opportunity tonight. He knows they don't need me for the long haul here. They don't need me for every round of this postseason run. They need me right now. So I'm going to give them four, five games, however however many it may be. And I'm going to put it all out there right now. I think Troy Brower gives them a big hit early on to kind of get them going tonight. Dark horse in this. Remember me saying it. Dark horse in this right now. Vince Dunn. You watch. That guy has the ability to get from point A to point B really fast, and he's shown he can light up guys like Christmas trees before, and he's not afraid to drop the mitts. Yeah, remember so, when he just destroyed Kajula that last Blackhawks game? That one, and then the time before where he stepped up on Nazem Kadri when they played the Leafs, where oh, out of yeah. nowhere, open ice hit. So I'm telling you, dark horse, Vince Dunn. Blues quick hitters here on 101 ESPN. Next one up for you. Who's going to score the first goal for the Blues in this postseason, Jamie? Um, first you know, goal, first one on the board. I'm going to go with David Perron. I think that uh, I think that Perry's going to have a good game. I think he's going to get going here. He plays on the first unit of the power play. He plays with Ryan O'Reilly, which means you're going to get more puck touches. I think that uh, I think that Perry's got he's got the knack for scoring goals. I think we see that tonight. I want to pick Tarasenko. I, he was buzzing that last game, and he just didn't have the opportunities to be on the ice because there were five penalties called against the Blues. I think this one, we've seen so far from last night's games, the officials have swallowed the oh, yeah. whistles a little bit. Now, you hope that they do it here, and you hope that the Blues are more disciplined, but if there's more five-on-five ice time tonight, Tarasenko is going to continue that way, and I think he's going to get that first goal. Robert Thomas. Oh! Going Tom, Robert Tom. Thomas. Dang. Getting on the board Match to kick things 20. off. The Blues, we've talked all this whole ramp-up period into the postseason. They don't have the same kind of speed that some of these other teams have. Robert Thomas does, though. 
Robert Thomas has that kind of speed, whether it be in transition or working on that second power play unit. I think he's going to be a guy that gets his opportunities tonight. I'll go Robert Thomas is the first goal for the Blues. Next one up, Blues quick hitters. What will be the first tweak, Jamie, in the lineup tonight for the St. Louis Blues? What do you think Baruby goes to if things aren't clicking the way that he's hoping? What will be the thing that he decides, that's my tweak, that's how I make sure that these guys get the most out of them tonight? Power play units. I'd like to say it would be Robert Thomas sliding up to the top six or specifically with Tarasenko, and that could happen. Uh, but, but, but depending on the game and the amount of penalties, uh, I think if you see the first unit not executing and the second unit sort of looking choppy as well, I think you see 91 slide back onto that first unit. Even if it's just like for a one-off, I think that's the first tweak we see. Yeah, that would be mine too. I think if the scoring is lacking, you're going to see that top line be broken up just because we haven't really seen much from them. Now, look, they haven't been on the ice a lot together because of the penalty kills, but if you're not seeing anything, I think they might try and see if they could put Tarasenko with a Thomas or an O'Reilly, try and get some type of offense from different lines. I was really interested to see what he was doing with the defensive pairings in the round robins. He switched him up more than I was anticipating. And so mm-hmm. I wonder if we see something with the deep pairings tonight as well. Does he maybe make a move there? Does he try to get some more sustained offense with his defensemen? Is that something that they decide to go to? Yeah, it's a good thought. I just think that for me, Craig Ruby likes consistency on the back end. If history is a predictor of the future, what he's done before has shown us that he likes to stick with those guys and he will juggle the lines up front. Uh, but you know what? This is the playoffs, BK. You could be 100% correct in him juggling some things on the back end. Last one. It's officially game day, boys. What's your prediction for the game tonight and for the series as a whole? Well, look, I, I think this is going to be a much better series than anybody anticipates. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, we've alluded to the experts, right, that have said, oh, the Blues in four, Blues in five, Blues all the way. Yeah, look, I believe in our St. Louis Blues. But the biggest mistake you can make is looking beyond the opponent that's right in front of you. And the Vancouver Canucks, as many have alluded to, are young, right? They don't understand the the height of intensity that this is. They don't necessarily understand Stanley Cup playoffs and, and the big stage. And that's dangerous. And if you look beyond these young, talented guys, two of the best young players in the NHL today, Pedersen and Quinn Hughes. Those guys, I'm telling you what, if you don't keep them in check, it could hurt you. So I think it's going to be a heck of a series. I call Blues in six. I think tonight we do see a much tighter, much better Blues team, but it's not going to be easy. Bo Horvat, Brock Besser, those are the two names that scare the hell out of me in this series. And I know everyone's talking Patterson, and rightfully so for how good he is. And with Quinn Hughes defensively, guy's a stud. But when you look at the size of Bo Horvat, and Brock Besser, guys who will go to the net, guys who will bump into Bennington. You got to be on your A game defensively. I think that's going to be a challenge. This Jacob Markstrom, what I'm hearing on the Vancouver side, this guy's the real deal. Like, like he can close out hockey games he's for you. Huge, too. He, he is frustrating. Six, 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 seven. He's huge. You know, I got a comparison from him the other day from a guy who covers him, Dan Cloutier. That's who he reminds you of. 
guy with his fiery with temper his, yeah, and, all well, that. and his terrible name that you can just chant in the middle of hockey games. So with that being said, I'm picking the Blues in six as well. I think this is going to go the distance. I don't know if Vancouver can handle seven, but I think the Blues can close this out in six. So I'm taking St. Louis then. I've got Blues in six in the series. I've got Blues four to three in overtime Don't tonight. You, oh Why God. would you Wait, put that evil on me? Overtime or like five, six Just overtimes. One. I think they're up three to two late in the third. The Canucks score a late goal to tie things up after they've pulled Ugh. their goalie. We've seen it a if million this happens, times. I might be knocking at your front door. I will be knocking at your front door. I'll find you. They go into overtime, and Tarasenko wins it for them. I All think right. they win the game 4-3 to three in overtime. It's a tight one. It's a tough one. They get it done tonight. They drop game two, and they end up winning this thing in six games. Big Daddy Vladdy. Let's see him back, Big baby. Daddy Vladdy. For Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Is the Major League Baseball bubble as much for us as it is about the players? After reading this story from yesterday, it very well may be. We'll talk about that coming up on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Guys, Major League Baseball is learning from the Cardinals. There was a quote. From the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. Learning how not to do baseball. Kinda. (laughs) Here's what he had to say to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Quote, look, revised protocols are reflective of learning from both the Marlins and the Cardinals situations. A principal takeaway for me is what doctors have been saying. It's about masks. Masks are a huge, huge, huge part of keeping people safe. End quote. That is what Rob Manfred has learned from the Marlins and the Cardinals situations. <laughs> we didn't know that masks were important a month ago. It took two outbreaks on Major League Baseball teams for the commissioner of baseball to be like, hey, these masks, they actually might be kind of important for us to go ahead and prevent the spread of this virus. Do you guys ever sit back and say, this guy is a commissioner? <laughs> Of a professional sports league. He's a Saturday Night Live skit. Like, is really how, what he is. How the hell does this guy have his job? Okay, but here, you know what? I, I am going to say this. In defense, in defense of Rob Manfred. Oh, God. In defense. <laughs> what? Yeah, but listen to me. Hear me out. When I say it, you guys will get it, okay? Because it's pretty evident in, well, I don't know, everyday news, okay? In defense of Rob Manfred. Depending on what political point of view Rob Manfred has, he might think and might have thought that masks are a joke, that masks don't help, that it's a bad thing. And that so in his defense, like, you know, maybe he just picked the wrong side on that one. I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? The problem is it's not supposed to be. Am I communicating that properly? Absolutely. I totally understand where you're coming from. The problem is total dork. If you're in a position like Rob Manfred's position. You have to be listening to your health and safety people, your your public health. Why? We have political leaders that don't listen. Understood. On both sides of the fence, too, by the way, before you come after me, text sure. line. If you're Rob Manfred, you have to be listening to those people. And those people have said all along to him, I would imagine. And if they're not, then he needs to find better people. That The, the, the masks are going to be important. <laughs> the masks aren't the only thing he's screwed up. 
<laughs> I mean, they've, they've messed up a lot, but the masks are going to be important. Now, that being said, there's also other stuff that goes along with this. And Ryan Helsley, you got to inform the people that you're around whenever you're having symptoms for COVID and then test positive for COVID that you tested positive for COVID. If you missed this story yesterday on KMOV, they had they had the story that Ryan Helsley, apparently the day that he started showing symptoms from COVID-19, went to get his hair cut. He ended up testing positive later that day for COVID-19. And as they did the contact tracing, they saw, okay, well, you need you need to tell this person that cut your hair that you tested positive. He apparently never did tell them that. And that's not what can happen here. You've got to make people aware of this. And so, Jamie, if they end up going to a bubble for baseball, it's as much about for stuff like this to not transmit the virus in public as it is about the actual players themselves staying away from the virus. Well, yeah. And look, we touched on that earlier today, I believe, in the questions and answers bit, which, again, you can catch up later on the podcast on 101 ESPN. But, yeah, I mean, look, these bubbles... They have multiple value in the fact that we see the NHL and the NBA that their bubbles to this day are working properly. They're keeping the players safe. They're keeping the players healthy. But they're also not having contact with the outside world, meaning that if a player becomes infected, he's not roaming around St. Louis getting his hair cut, grabbing a sub sandwich, you know, doing whatever, going to test drive a car, like... I mean, he didn't do all of those things. I'm just saying like, right. you have to be responsible here. So I, I guarantee that John Mosaloc never thought in his wildest dreams that, one, he'd be figuring out, trying to figure out how to put a bubble around a team that doesn't have a bubble concept, and two, how to keep his population of people that support his team safe from his players that don't have a bubble concept. Here's the quote from John Mosaloc after I'm assuming he heard this from KMOV and was like, you got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. This is what I'm doing with my life right now. He said, quote, when we met with Ryan to discuss his positive status, we identified that he received a haircut. He was instructed to follow up with everyone he came in contact with, including this individual, and this was an oversight, unfortunately. We, we regret this and will take more ownership in the future, end quote. Again, that, that comment coming from John Mosaloc in the St. Louis Cardinals. This is not an easy thing for them, right? They, they are in a, a no-win situation where every day Mo is seeing 15 dumpster fires outside of his window. He's got one he, fire extinguisher. He's, he's like, I have, I have enough time in my day to put out 10 of these, which is not a pretty impressive feat, right? Yeah. You put out 10 dumpster fires over the course of the day. The problem is you still got five over here. And the next day you get 15 more. And so now you've got 20 out, and it's just that for him every single day right now. It doesn't matter what he does. It continues getting worse and worse and worse. Fingers crossed, it seems like we are getting towards the end of the line on this. I think that, I believe, this weekend we're going to play some baseball for the St. Louis Cardinals. But, man, we this are. has been yeah. brutal. We're Danny going to every possible way. We're playing. I'm helping you out right now before Danny Mack just comes in here and rips your arm off. We are going to play baseball. I did want to read one other comment for you guys because Francisco Lindor, a guy that I would love to see in a Cardinals uniform, uh, had a fantastic comment on what's been taking place with the Indians yesterday. I want to read this for you. said, quote, we have to sit back and look at ourselves in the mirror. And it's not about the person you see in the mirror. It's who's behind you, the other people. It's not about that one person. It's about everybody around you, the family members, the coaching staff, Carlos Carrasco. We had, I believe he was a cancer patient. Uh, All the players on teams that are high risk. 
We are in a time right now with COVID, with racism, with everything. This is a time to be selfless. This is when we have to sit back and understand this is not about one person specifically. It's about everybody. It's about your neighbor and your neighbor's neighbor. It's not just about you specifically. Of course, he's being asked about this because his teammates were the ones, Mike Clevenger and Zach Plezak, who went out on the town in Chicago and have now been put on the restricted list. And it sounds like punishment could be coming from them or has come to them already. Should. That's the kind of mentality, that quote that we just heard from Francisco Lindor, that's the kind of mentality that all of these guys have to have moving forward. It's not about just me. It's not about just my teammate that I like. It's about everybody in this locker room. It's about all of our families that we go home to at the end of the day. It's about all of their coworkers that their families go to see every day. And then any of their kids or grandparents or whomever that they come in contact with. It's bigger than just you. And if the players don't see that, then it's going to continue having a trend like we've seen with the Marlins and the Cardinals and whoever the next team is going to be that gets an outbreak. The Indians just happen to be lucky that their guys didn't come back with this virus inside of that clubhouse. So two thoughts on this. One, uh, we love Francisco Lindor, um, but based on his comments, he, I don't know if he'll pick the Cardinals <laughs> to come to when it comes to. That's a great point. <laughs> <laughs> the COVID virus. Um, but <laughs> point number two on this is that Major League Baseball has absolutely got to hold these guys accountable. And what is the easiest way to snap someone back into shape? Hit them right in the wallet, man. And, you know, like we're at the point now where the Marlins lost, what, I don't know, however many games. The Cardinals now, I mean, the season for Major League Baseball. So think about this for a second. We talk about revenue, right? Follow the money. Follow the money. Okay, Major League Baseball is squeezing in as many games as they can. They've expanded postseason because they're following the money. They have to try and generate revenue. You have employees of your league, two players that we know of anyways, that are not abiding by the rules and not disclosing what they're doing. You got to get rid of that cancer. You got to get rid of it because... They could potentially take down the entire plan on the other side of things. So, in my opinion, if I'm Major League Baseball, I suspend these guys without pay for the rest of the year. Send them because the next guy who thinks about walking out of that hotel room, he's not going to want those consequences. At a very minimum, like I'm guessing, they're they have to be quarantined, right? Like that's probably what's taking place right now. Is for the next ten to fourteen days, they shouldn't be be allowed to be paid during that either. That's what I'm saying. I I don't know if you suspend them for the rest of the year, uh, but you can't pay it. I don't think they should be paid right now while they're in quarantine. They they should you're doing so, so without what, pay. BK, it's basically happens, a fourteen day suspension. Okay, but then what happens if these guys you know did their thing and then they hung out on the team plane? What's his name? Flew back with the team, and now other guys for some reason. Let's say they were infected. So what do you do then? Do you add on the days missed by all those players? Do you add that on to his suspension because he's the source of it? Let's just make it easy and say okay, maybe not the rest of the season. What did the Astros pitching 20, or hitting coach twenty games? Twenty games. I'd say 20 games. I get it. Without pay. You, you, you have to prove a point to all of this. And, and I, I will say this as well. We heard from Jeff Passan yesterday on the Fastlane. If you missed the conversation, it was a good one. 101ESPN.com is where you find the podcast of it. He said, hey, listen, as much as we want to talk about the Indians, they just happened to be the ones that got caught mm-hmm. and that their teams made an example of. 
It's like they're not exclusively the only ones that are doing stuff like this. Obviously not. It just got out in the public that they were doing stuff like this. So that's one other thing to keep in the back of our minds is the Indians should also be commended for the way that they've handled this thus far. They found out that their players went out in Chicago. They made sure to send them home. They did so as safely and as quickly as possible. And now they're trying to move forward as a result. So the Indians do deserve a little bit of credit for the way that they've handled this as well. Yeah, and they should get a little bit of a payback by not having to pay these guys. I hear you. You know what? You guys are doing the right thing. You don't have to pay these guys. I know it's a drop in the bucket, but at the end of the day, those little drops in the bucket are what matter to these players. And you take that away from them, take that ability away, and you know what? Maybe that message will be loud and clear. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. We'll cross things over with the Fast Lane coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. Time to cross things over with the Fast Lane. Anthony Stalter in studio. Stalter, what's going on, bud? I miss you guys. <laughs> Especially when Jamie says something inappropriate right before the mics come on. I am so done with ribs. So, you mean just in general? Yeah. Just kind of just being Jamie. Yeah, yeah. Every commercial break. My typical commercial breaks are inappropriate comment from Jamie. Ferrario cusses us out right before we go on air. And I say, hey, it's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. <laughs> if you're not ready to go after that. But I don't know when you'll be ready to go. Pull your heads out of you know where. So be ready. I would like to talk a little Cardinals with you. Stoltz. What Cardinals? <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. Before you start that, I got beef with you. Okay. Yeah. Deal. I got beef with Even you. Even better. Let's do it. So let's uh, time warp back to, oh, I don't know, the stay-at-home quarantine when it began. And it was a Stalter and Rivers show, mm-hmm. and you sat over there, and BK sat over there and in there and over there and all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. We had a guest on our show. His name is Eli Drinkwitz. Yes. Okay. The drink. The drink. What did he tell you that day? Well, the biggest thing you got your takeaway, your biggest takeaway from that day, what was it? That you and I could uh, could play on the team. Okay, so you know what? I thought I thought something else meant more to you that day. Yeah, hope. Eliminate hope from your vocabulary. Okay, so do you realize what you did on Friday to our poor guy, Danny Mack? You guys on the fast lane said, let's hope we have baseball. Yeah. I couldn't believe it's fault. Here's the deal. I, I actually, I welled up and there was a tear. It didn't go all the way down in my face. It wasn't mm-hmm. that bad. But enough to where I had to clear my eye. Yeah, uh, Jamie, this is, there, there's a really simple explanation for this right here. I, when moved to the fast lane, I said we need to eliminate hope from our vocabulary. We have the audio of me saying that and drilling that in. I said it consistently. Eliminate hope from your vocabulary, period. That's what the Drinkinator told Jamie and I. And I believe in that philosophy. Yeah, hey, here's the deal. Take hope out of your vocabulary, man. Expect it. Don't hope for something to happen. Expect it to happen. We're going to play this fall. We're going to get it done. And uh, set your mindset for it, and it'll happen. That's what we're going to do. So that is the credo that I've been living by. Except for Friday. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> we got a guy in the fast lane named uh, Chris Ranji, who does not adhere to said credo. He has been the salmon swimming upstream Correct. on this once. Yes. In fact, any opportunity that he had to throw the word hope into a sentence, he did. Do you think he does that on purpose? No, I think that's who he is. Okay. That's what I think. 
You so, think he's just super optimistic, always hoping for things? No, I think he's super pessimistic and skeptical. And the best he can do is say that I hope for things. I look at it as jaded, not pessimistic, but fair. Either way, maybe that, he's just really hopeful. That starts to that starts to wear on you. You know, Jamie, you've been in a locker room. I have. You get one guy that's. I've been left there a lot too. Exactly. <laughs> You get one guy tossing around the word hope all the time, and all of a sudden it bleeds back into your vocabulary. Now, should I be stronger? Sure. But, uh, you know, I haven't been on the fast lane very long. I'm looking for some guidance, and this is what I'm getting. I thought you were the captain of the ship. You're supposed to be stronger than this. That's incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) I have noticed. Captain always goes down with the ship, guys. You all know this. Yes. I have noticed. That's more accurate. Thank you, Alex Ferraria. I have noticed that the... uh, Thanks, Stalter. Hashtag thanks, Stalter is getting as much playtime as hashtag 2020. And I, yeah. I don't appreciate it because I think, I think it's bleeding over into our show um, because I've been starting to see some things pop up about how, hey, thanks, BK. You're the one that ultimately ruined this blue season. Right. They were on uh, a yeah, roll. They're, they're probably yeah. right. They're 100% on on that one. Yeah. Well, that's your fault. I'd say that's accurate. Yeah. It's actually Stalter's fault, as all of his textures will tell you. He is the reason for everything bad in 2020. Wow. Wow. So much proof behind that, but uh, well, that seems to be the thing that everybody's leaning on right now. The Sharks didn't make the playoffs. How are your Giants? It's probably your fault. They're terrible. They've been <laughs> terrible for a while. Yeah. I wonder I, why. How are your Falcons? Well, that's just, that's lifelong. Um, not great. You're saying 2020. It started Those, happening once you became an adult. No, that team's been bad for a long time. So I think what I'd like to see here, okay, mm-hmm. because I love you, Anthony, okay? I, do. I feel it right now and from all three of you. <laughs> what I want you to do yeah. is we're going to do a reset, okay? Okay. And in that reset, again, we're going to eliminate hope. Okay. I don't care what some of your teammates decide to do. Mm-hmm. I want you to be committed to our oath. To coach, coach so with that in the back deal. of your mind, I want to ask you a very specific question. Yeah. We're going to see Dylan Carlson this weekend? Yeah, we are. We're absolutely going to see Dylan Carlson this weekend. Oh, BK just got so happy. Because your co-hosts didn't agree with that assessment with you yesterday. No, and it made we me got very upset. It. Yeah, and BT got BT, fired up. BT and I got into it yesterday. Yeah, he was, uh, he was very passionate on his side. I was very passionate on mine. There were some words exchanged. And uh, we didn't talk to each other for a good 10, 12 seconds after that. <laughs> was there a chair toss? No chair toss. Uh, no. The window no, got, was it, a little dinged up over here this morning. I saw so some I greasy was wondering if that prints. was it. Hey, sometimes brothers got to fight. Yes. You know? This James, you and I have gotten into it. You and I are brothers. Yeah. You it happens I, every night in my house, too. <laughs> the brothers get into it every damn night. <laughs> right. But I'll tell you what. I will not use... That word anymore All in right. my vocabulary. I really that is, hope that Dylan Carlson been, is up this weekend. That has been eliminated. <laughs> I see BK didn't take the same oath. Oh, my God. My job is never done. I did pledge to Coach Drink that day. Now, I've not received a letter on, on when practices are starting for you and I. But we'll get to it. I've been working on it. Yeah. He said earlier today they still have uh, spots for walk-ons. Said that in his Zoom. So I'm, I'm sure he was specifically referencing the two of you. I don't want to take it personal from mm-hmm. Coach Drink. The last time we had him on, I did ask about the walk-on. Um, he did present me with an obstacle. 
uh, to that was that they do a mandatory brain scan no. beforehand. And Coach actually, he, he brought that up. He says, Jamie, well, you know there's a mandatory brain scan. And an mm-hmm. aptitude test that he he didn't appear. The aptitude test I'm okay on, the brain either. scan. Um, What's he saying? I, I don't know. I think we know. I think we know. Yeah. But but I, I still feel like I could make a I, difference. I think that this is this is a good thing. M-I-Z! Put the, put the helmet back See on. You're, you. you're good. See, I got that down. Budweiser and 101 ESPN have teamed up for a one-of-a-kind giveaway. We are giving away a custom Budweiser-branded John Deere riding lawnmower. It is your final chance to enter. The giveaway ends this Thursday, so tomorrow. Find the contest now on your 101 ESPN mobile app and use the promo code BUD. That's B-U-D, BUD. To get entered, must be 21 or older to enter. See the full contest rules and more info now on your 101 ESPN mobile app or online at 101ESPN.com. Stoltz, what's coming up on the Fast Lane today? tell you why the Blues are going to be just fine. They're going to beat the uh, snot out of the Canucks for four hours. That's what we're going to do. That's coming up from 2 to 6. We'll be back tomorrow at 11. Don't forget, we've got the MLS announcement. That will be the start of our show tomorrow at 11 o'clock, hosted by Danny Mack. We will react to that on the back end of that. Fastlane's coming up next on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.